The Joe Rogan Experience podcast is brought to you by Ting. If you go to rogan.ting.com, you will save 25 bucks off of any of their high-end cell phones or service. Um, if you have not, uh, if you're not aware of what Ting is, we've talked about it on this podcast many times. That the only people that will ever do commercials for are people whose companies uh, make sense to us. People whose companies, like if they have like a, a good ethic to them, or if they're selling something that's really cool. That's the only people that we're interested in getting involved in. And we got involved with Ting because they're what I would call a non-evil company. Their approach is you don't need to have contracts. Just give people a decent service at a reasonable rate, and you're gonna you're gonna make money. You don't you don't have to make more money and be a cunt. And that's sort of the idea behind it. You can quit anytime you want. It's on the Sprint backbone, so it's a legitimate high-end uh, broadband service and a legitimate high-end cellular connection. So it's not like it's you know, Bob's cell phone company. He's making his own wires. They use Sprint. So what you're getting is all of the, 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 the power of a, a big network. But with all, not all the bullshit. You can have a couple people on the same account and share minutes. If your minutes, if you don't use your minutes, you get credited in your next account. No one is trying to fuck you over at this company, and that's what we like about them, and that's why uh, we represent them. So go to rogan.ting.com and save yourself twenty five bucks. We're also brought to you by brought to you. We're, we're also brought to you by Blade Slinger from Kerosene Games. Uh, if you've <clears throat> never played any games on the iPad, one of the things that can be really annoying is if a game is not designed for the iPad. If it's like ported over for a computer, then it's like the you controls know, are all fucked. Yeah, they're clunky. Yeah, yeah. This is designed specifically for iPads and iPhones. One of the cool things about living in today's era is that you you get amazing visual processing power from these little tablets, like something that would be a giant computer just a few years ago, just 10 years ago, is now a little thin glass and metal piece of awesomeness. And you can play this game on it. And it's you know really high-resolution graphics. It's a super cool game. And it's only $2.99. And you can get it on uh, iTunes. And it will be available very soon for high-end Android devices. They're shooting for February, I believe. But it's a very cool game. If you go and look at the reviews online, it's amazingly positive, which is incredible because the universe is filled with cunts. So if you can get that many positive reviews, you know that someone's doing something right because uh, it's, it's a fun game to play. It's very addictive. So it's called Blade Slinger. It's on Kerosene Games, and it's three bucks, you fucks. All right? Get it together. All right, we're also brought to you by Onnit.com. I was going to bring in a, a gift pack for our buddy um, here, Alex. Honnold, but uh, but I forgot it, unfortunately. But on it, if um, you're interested, we'll send you a bunch of shit. It's a supplement company that uh, I'm a part of. Uh, I own a piece of it. And the reason why I got involved with it was exactly what I said earlier about commercials. The idea of selling something to someone where you know it's not a ripoff. The idea of like a reasonable exchange. Instead of having the ethics of business that a lot of people have where you're just trying to squeeze every last ounce of profit, our idea is to sell the best shit we can find as cheaply as we can. We'll sell you all of the cool food items that I've gotten into that we've talked about on the podcast, including Bulletproof Coffee which I'm drinking right now. Um, that's why sometimes I, 
that's that's one of the side effects of bulletproof coffee. The fact that it's you got, got butter mad in it. goobers. Yeah, I got goobers. I get a little bit of cotton mouth too, if you know what I'm saying. This uh, bulletproof coffee, if you're not aware, and this is a fascinating thing that I've just become aware of. There's a real issue with foods with something called mycotoxins. And what mycotoxins are is when you get coffee and uh, you know, and you don't know how it was taken care of, or it's even in corn. I've been reading. What happens is if it's stored incorrectly or harvested under certain conditions, it can develop fungus. And that fungus can actually be toxic for your body. So if you're drinking coffee and you're like, oh, I feel like shit, may, you might have just poisoned yourself. And, I'm uh, poisoning myself yeah. right now with this delicious Starbucks. Dave Asprey is actually doing research on all this stuff to try to find out exactly um, what the effects are, how prevalent they are. But they have absolutely been measured. This is a fact. There's a, a show called Dangerous Grounds where a guy is a uh, coffee um, expert. He goes to all these different really exotic parts of the world where they cultivate coffee. Because a lot of the coffee that you buy, like my favorite stuff comes from Hawaii. But a lot of coffee comes from like really fucking freaky places. I guess it grows better. We there. should get to the bottom of this because I live right next door to a Starbucks. Like mm. every single day, I go there. Everybody knows me. I wonder what we would have to do as far as test <clears throat> test their coffee. You could test my fucking ball sweat, and it's probably, <laughs> I mean, it's probably I, all why Starbucks. Why would I test your your ball? <laughs> that would be the you are the most unscientific person ever because who knows what kind of toxins are going into your body? It's not like your body's a purity filter; spring water comes out of it. Isn't that what your sweat is? Mess. Though? It's getting rid of the toxins. No, you, you don't have probably... to test you to find out if you're getting it from Starbucks because we would we'd have to only feed you Starbucks for that scientific project to work. Well, I don't eat or do anything except a Trenta Starbucks for the first six hours I'm awake. <laughs> well, so dude, you shit you've eaten the last couple of weeks could turn up in your, in your system. That's why people fail drug tests, dummy. No. Okay? Um, the, the point being, um, there's a big difference between coffee that has been cultivated from a single source and, and processed the way the stuff's processed. And we sell it cheaper than he does. Dude, if I'm getting poisoned by Starbucks this whole time... I really think people are. I really do, because I, I, I drank some Starbucks this weekend, and I'm not talking shit on Starbucks. I like Starbucks. I drink it all the time. Um, I, it doesn't, doesn't taste as good. It doesn't feel as good. My body feels different when I drink it. I think, I, I think it's not their fault. I think it's something that people are just not that aware of. And I think people have to be aware of it now. There's a, there's a legitimate issue with things that you can't see that are on your food that can really fuck you up. You know, I mean, we, we know there's poisons out there. We know there's poison mushrooms. I don't know why it should surprise people that some f- fungus that grows on some food is really fucking shitty for you. This is the Tower 7 of coffee. But it's not. There's, there's a lot of science on mycotoxins. There's no, it's no Tower 7. It's a fact. If you go and look at uh, mycotoxins on corn, it's really kind of creepy, man. Corn is fucking terrible for you, man. Well, that means I mean, we're all poison. Like corn syrup and all that shit, you're, you're probably getting a little bit, a negligible, a little bit of uh, toxins with that shit as well. Jesus. Yeah. Well, just Google it. It's really interesting. I might be wrong. They might be wrong. The science might be all horseshit. They might have made it up just to, to go after the corn industry because someone fucked someone's wife. I don't know. Fritos and Starbucks in a Blintech But I do know. Yeah, you can do that if you're really down. Make a Frito shake. Yeah, that's <laughs> something we carry. Blintech Blender is a perfect example. Super something cool. we just started carrying because it's just awesome. It's a good thing to have. You know, We, we sell fitness equipment, kettlebells, uh, battle ropes, and there's an awesome extreme kettlebell DVD video that we sell as well. If, you know, if you're an introduction to uh, high-end um, uh, these um, these crazy workouts that people are putting together, like uh, this one that we have from Keith Weber. It's it's really amazing. It's a great workout. It's about I think I mean I get I can't get through forty five minutes of it. 
especially with a 50-pound kettlebell, it's, it will make you puke. It's amazing. It's, it's just a fantastic workout. It's one of the best things to have where all you have to do is just press play and follow along with it. Just go. And we can't keep these things in stock. They're selling like crazy for that very reason. So it makes you puke. So it's a way to work out and then throw up. So you're becoming bulimic, and that's how you're getting fit. Yeah, you're getting thin. You're throwing up. <laughs> if you ever, you've never worked out so hard you've thrown up. Never. That sounds awful. you got to put in your time, son. <laughs> Have sex. Go to on it. Yeah, he'll throw up after puke. <laughs> no, I feel like puking sometimes after sex. I bet you do because you can't believe somebody fucked you. I bet you just you just get in the bathroom and you sick with yourself. No, it's more of like a heart attack <laughs> thing. <laughs> Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T. Use the code name Rogan and save 10% off any and all supplements. And if you haven't been there for a while, go and check it out because we've got a bunch of new crazy shit there, including killer bee honey, Himalayan salts. <laughs> I don't know if any of that stuff's really good for you, but it sounds badass. All right, you fucks. Alex Honnold is here. We are going to talk to this young man about some crazy shit. All right, so strap in. <laughs> And prepare yourself. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. Alex Honnold, greetings. Hello. Very nice to meet you in, in person, and uh, very nice to have you here on the show. I'm, I'm super psyched that you decided to come and join us because I watched uh, one of your videos. I've seen several of them online. For folks who don't know, Alex is what you call a free solo climber. Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, you could say that. Um, uh, and he essentially climbs gigantic, scary mountains with no aid. You, you don't have ropes. You just climb it with your hands and your feet. And yeah, I mean, occasionally. Occasionally. Yeah. Well, you... Normally, I climb with ropes. That's just special occasions, you know. But you do it a lot. I mean, there's a lot of videos of you doing this. You're saying occasionally. For the average human being, if they did something like well, this yeah, once, yeah. they would sit around the campfire, kids. Grandpa's going to tell you about how he climbed the mountain with his bare hands. And everybody would go on and on about it like it was a once-in-a-lifetime, insane, you know, death-defying event. How many times have you done it? Well, how many times have I solo? Free solo climbed. Oh, I mean, it depends on how hard, you know? I mean, I free solo easy routes all the time, but, but, you know, the big hard ones that you've seen videos of, I mean, that's a little more infrequent. Have you ever had a close call? Oh, it all depends what you call a close call, you know? Um, but no, I haven't had any like serious accidents or anything. Well, have you ever had a moment where you're like, "Oh shit!" Like this, this could be a problem. Um, well, I mean, certainly some moments where you're like, "Oh, this could become a problem," um, but never, never like, "Oh, it's all going downhill and it's about to come apart." But have you ever gotten to a point? I mean, I assume your process is you first climb it with ropes to find out where your route would be. Yeah, is that ge- what you do? generally. Um, actually, do you know anything about climbing? Have you climbed or anything? No, never climbed. Okay. Um, because like within climbing, you know, there's more of a context for it. But, um, the thing is, I mean, generally there's already a route established. You have like a little topo, you have a map that tells you where you're supposed to go. So people have already gone before you? Yeah. On, on all the, on, for the most part, the things that I've sold are like established routes that people have done before. And for the most part, I've done them before too. So I already kind of know the series of movements. That but I you have had to, to go through to. them once. So the first time you went through it, you followed a map of people who had already been there? Yeah, generally. Um, I mean, I have – it's called on-site when you do something without ever having done it before. So I have, like, on-site solid big new routes before. Dude, my like, hands j- get sweaty talking to you. I just want to yeah, tell you right now. Yeah. For real. My hands are getting sweaty when I'm thinking about this. Um, this We're watching a video right now of you on uh, 60 Minutes, and that was a established route that you were climbing? That everybody- yeah, so that, that route was put up in the 60s, I think, or maybe the 70s. They started and, doing uh, this in the 60s? Yeah, but so when they established it, they used pitons and hammers, and they, like, wailed their way up the mountain. 
you know, because that was kind of the style of the day. And I think they did over multiple days. And then in the 70s, it got done in a day for the first time. Dude. And then, you know what I mean? It's just kind of the gradual progression of style. So climbing as a sport has been around for a long time. Well, climbing as a sport mm. is like rooted back to alpinism. People like, you know, climbing in the Alps in the 1800s and all that. I mean, people have always climbed the mountain. I mean, look at all the monks and stuff in the Himalaya. What, what attracted you to this? Oh, I don't know. I just like climbing on things. <laughs> Why do you hate ground? <laughs> this has been since you were how old? How old are you now? I'm 27 now. I've been climbing all the time, like in the gym and stuff since I was 10, I think. But it just it just it was attractive to you. Yeah, just I mean, as a kid, I love climbing trees. I love climbing buildings. I like play on stuff. You know, climb the roof, whatever. Um, and then uh, my parents read about this gym opening inside, like a climbing gym. So I went and started climbing inside. What do your parents think about this? Mom's like surprisingly supportive. Really? You know what I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, she just kind of trusts me to do what I like to do and do it well, and you know, make good decisions or whatever. Yeah, make good decisions. That's a huge understatement. It's one thing to say, you know, son, if you want to get into the insurance business, you got to make good decisions. That's one. Yeah, but the thing is, anybody like in any course in life has to like make good decisions. Yes, you're correct. I mean, because if I was going out partying every every weekend, you know, I'd probably have almost as high of a risk of death. You know, like driving drunk and all that kind of stuff is is what I'm doing. You're probably right. You know what I mean? So it's like it's all just how you view risk and and reward. You know. It certainly is, but that I mean that really is an understatement when you're saying making good decisions. You're climbing up these things. Like what is the tallest thing you've climbed? Uh, like three thousand feet maybe. Jesus <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. Well yeah, shit, but the difference man. between three thousand and seventy five doesn't make that big a difference. You know? As far as death. Yeah, I mean once but it, you once you pass sixty you're pretty much hosed. But doesn't it feel like a freak out when you're up well, there? Well no, well to me the appeal is the is the bigness, you know? Like, really? I look at a huge face, and I'm like, that looks rad. Wow. You know, if I look at a 60-foot face, I'm kind of like, nah, you know, that looks okay. <laughs> but, but when you see a really huge, impressive wall, you're like, that's inspiring. You know, wow. that's what I get psyched about. Um, do you like people watching you do this? Uh, not particularly. And I've done very little soloing that's actually, like, live and watched. You know, so most of the videos that you've seen and stuff are, um, you know, repeated afterward. Well, actually, it's funny, because the one that you're queuing right now is, well, so semi-live. Um, and the 60 Minutes thing was live because they're like a legitimate news organization. They had to shoot the real thing. Right. Did it but, feel um, weird for you to have people filming you like on no, a well, so that's, beside you? That's the thing is that generally when I film on projects like that, um, I do things that are like well within my abilities, kind of comfortable and easy and whatever. So the 60 Minutes thing, even though it looks awesome and it's really cool, that's actually kind of like a moderate route. It's not like, you know, it's not breaking new ground for rock climbing. I mean, it never been soloed before and it's, and it's pretty hard. But mostly I just chose something that was aesthetic and, like, cool. You know, it was, like, good enough, we, but it's not, you, like... You would just say it had never been soloed before. Like, that's, the, that's a crazy well, thing. Well, the thing, there aren't that many people that solo, you know? Yeah. Like, not that many folks are into it, so you kind of have your pick of, the, pick of the litter, you know? Well, if there are that many folks into it, how many of them aren't around anymore? Ooh, yeah, it depends how you count. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Well, this, I mean, I, I can only think of one really high-end solos who actually died so long. Really? I think, yeah. Only one? Yeah. Uh, who was he? Uh, John Backer. He was actually kind of like a, you know, childhood inspiration. Sp- like spell from, his last name? Uh, B-A-C-H-A-R. Okay. What happened uh, to him? He, uh, he fell so long. The thing is, he was kind of older. I mean, he was maybe 50 or something. Uh-huh. And um, he died a car accident and had some, like, nerve damage. And, like, you know, who knows what actually happened. Oh, Jesus. He, like, maybe he broke a hold. Maybe he just, I don't know. But, like, he'd had, you know, like, back issues and, and things going on because he'd had this, like, horrible car accident. Oh, wow. So um, it's one of those things where it's not, like, a clear-cut, like, 
Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is clear cut. He fell off the mountain and he died. But um, so, but you know, you look at it because he was he was by far the best of his generation for like the eighties and early nineties and actually the seventies until the nineties, basically. Now, when you see a guy and that's how it ends for him, and he's a free solo climber, do you look at that and say, you know, you know what, everybody goes? I mean, that's kind of a cool way to do it. Definitely not. Like that's a cool way to do it. That's horrible. (laughs) I mean, no. I mean, honestly, he basically broke everything in his body, and he lay there for hours and died. You know, I mean, that's like a horrible, horrible. Well, he didn't die instantly. No, he he was uh he was out at like a sixty foot cliff by his house or whatever. So he probably fell like fifty feet. He broke everything in his body, and he like bled out, or I don't know what happened. I mean, it was it's like a horrible. I mean, it's a horrible thing to happen. But yeah, I mean, if you fell like two thousand feet, yeah, you would splat. Like yeah, you know, you would just explode like a bag of water. But like, but from fifty, it's like that's pretty horrible. Yeah, that but, sounds like a terrible way to go. Yeah, I mean, it totally sucks. But I mean, the thing is, you know, he he lived his whole life doing that kind of thing, and right. you know, he'd obviously confronted those kinds of issues in his life, and you know, he he made his choice, and that's that's how it worked out. You know, wow, how many people are doing it? If you if you had to guess. Is it a, a well? So that's earlier. I said the difference between high end solo and like recreational yeah. style. So if you're counting recreational, just going out and climbing fun routes after work or whatever, there are tons of climbers that go solo. But um, high end style, like pushing it on hard, you know, hard hard routes, like the kind of videos that you're watching where you're like, that looks insane. Then there, right now, there's maybe a half dozen dudes in the world that do I things just, similar like that. You know. But you are known as the one who does the most uh, ridiculous routes you're the one who's known as the guy who well in in the u.s right now anyway you know who, who else is doing this like where is this like popular there there are a couple in dudes world? in europe who have done maybe not like at this moment they aren't doing anything crazy but um that certainly like recently have done really hard things um you know i mean there's a there's a history of soloing all around the world wow it's this is completely new to me i mean um i had seen like maybe you know i randomly gone across videos on the internet of people mm. climbing things but i really never seen anything where people were pl- climbing without ropes so when i first saw you doing it i mean, I mean there's a rich like tradition of it especially in california actually in southern california um all the best climbers in the country in the 70s came from socal and they were all uh, they were called the stone masters and uh, like joshua tree you know which is just local has uh, like a huge history of soloing you know so i mean i grew up like hearing soloing stories and thinking it was cool and you know whatever wow yeah, I mean, there's a total, like, tradition of it. But. So do you make a living doing this? I, I do now, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Wow. And how did that happen? Do you have sponsors? Yes, yeah, so I have sponsors. Uh, sort of picked them up, you know, through the climbing community as I went. And the sponsors just give you money, and they pay you every month, and just you just go climbing? Yeah, yep. Is yeah, it's there, totally awesome. Are there competitions, or do you just go wherever you want to go, and people follow no. you, and the publicity helps them? Is that how it works? Uh, so there are competitions in climbing, but um, it's kind of like skiing or something, where it kind of subdivides into like Olympic style competition skiing, mm-hmm. and then there's like big mountain type dudes who make videos and just like go rage in Alaska. So I'm kind of one of those like big mountain type dudes that just goes and rages and makes videos and does whatever. Like I don't do competitions. It's kind of like right. two different sports. But yeah, you don't want to be rushed. It doesn't seem like something you would want to. Well, race. and how would you? You know, who would I compete with? You know, yeah. like nobody else even likes to do this kind of stuff. Right. Like that doesn't you know. that sound crazy though? You're you're talking about 300 million people in this country, and this may be like five other dudes that are doing what you're doing. Well, maybe five other in the world. In the world, yeah. okay. In this country, you're the only guy. No, there's, like, another dude who's a little older than me who, uh... Do you guys look at each other weird? Like, yeah, man. Yeah. I can climb no, better no. than you. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> Want to no, get crazy? Cool. 
Um, <laughs> no, there are a handful of dudes in the states, and I mean, and things you never know because so much of soloing just has to do with like motivation, mm-hmm. because the the actual technical difficulty of the climbing isn't very high. Like the thing that I did on on sixty minutes is actually like a pretty easy route. It's very moderate. Um, I mean, like a lot of climbers who've only been climbing a few years could climb that difficulty level, but they just would never want to do it without a rope. You know, they don't have that motivation to be like, I want to climb a huge face with no no protection. Now, when you you know you say that it's no big deal that you you were the first person to free solo something, that is a big deal. I mean, you're just being humble. Okay, no, you are. You're being humble. You're crazy. Listen to me. Completely I'm older insane. Than you. <laughs> but here's no, I'm not saying you're completely yeah. insane for doing that. I'm, I'm saying you know your 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 point of view is very self deprecating. You know, so Whatever. your your idea that that's not crazy to be the first person to climb up it in the known human race without <laughs> ropes. Yeah, okay, yeah. it's kind of fucking crazy, kid. But it seems I, more normal when you do it all the time. You know, I'm sure. But yeah. I'm just saying to a person like a, yeah. like me, yeah, um, it's it's pretty impressive. When you do you go up something with ropes and say, you know what, I see enough spots, do you map it out in your head? How yeah, you... for, for sure. So, like, for the 60 Minutes one, for example, I'd climbed it a month before just to, like, see if it was reasonable, and I was like, okay, I could definitely do this. And then maybe 10 days before I climbed it again with more, like, intention. Uh-huh. And uh, there are basically two hard parts on it, and the rest is sort of, like, filler you know, like moderate climbing, uh-huh. like the type that I could easily do first try or whatever without. Now, now, when you say hard parts and you get to a place, what makes it a hard part? So the crack is like thinner, so you have less of your finger inside. So you have to like pull harder and the feet get bad and it gets steeper. So the angle of the walls is steeper. Um, basically, it just becomes more strenuous. But so, so both of those two sections were maybe, you know, 10 movements long. So they're maybe like 15, 20 foot sections. And I just have to memorize like 10 or 15 moves where I'm like, okay, and then I do my left hand to that little thing, and then I pull really hard, and then I raise my foot, you know. That. So as you're going up this in a rope, are you just visualizing going along it, or are you actually fitting it with your hands? Yeah, I'm going... doing both. I'm, well, so I'm climbing it, and then I'm, some of it I marked with chalk, which mm-hmm. is totally normal for climbers to like put a little tick next to things. Mm-hmm. So you remember like which part of the crack is good. And then I would memorize like, okay, this is the way to do it. And then while I had the rope on, I, I tried a couple different ways on one part to see which felt more secure, things like that. And uh, so do you take notes or do you Yeah, just... so then afterward when I was all done, and, uh, you know, that evening I, like, I drew out the sequences. And I have, like, a climbing journal. I keep track of things like that and just make notes about life, whatever. And so I just mapped out the sequences so I could remember it well. And then, would you ever publish that? Well, no, it wouldn't make any sense to anybody. It's a bunch of lines. Dude, you know? people would buy it. That'd be dope. Well, as fuck. Maybe for a right. coffee table book. <laughs> I'll sell you some lines. Yeah, that would be cool as fuck for a, a, a f- for a coffee table. Or maybe I don't. I don't think I have enough volume for that kind of thing either. But maybe someday, you know, if I didn't. Dude, I really think that would be a dope coffee table book. Your, your maps, <laughs> tons of little roots and, and stuff. You're just musings yeah. on life in a in a book. For yeah, real. I think people would see and be like, "What the f?" No, with photographs of the actual mountain itself. I think that would actually maybe. be maybe. Cool I mean, book. if it was, yeah, if it was interspersed with real photos, yeah. like this is what it corresponds to, maybe. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I I don't even climb. I would buy that shit. Do you? Genius, I would. Huh? I would. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's a, that's a golden oh. opportunity. Jump yeah. on it, publishers. Find this young man. <laughs> yeah. Shut it up. Yeah. Um, have you ever been wrong? Have you ever uh, done like a, a route and said, "Well, I'm going to go solo it now," and been like, "You know what? This is this is an error. I shouldn't have done this." Uh, not so much. I've had a handful, of, I mean, I wouldn't call it an error, but I've had a handful of times where I've gone out to solo something without pre-inspection, where I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to go up it and see how it goes. And I go maybe halfway up, and I'm just like, ooh, I'm not feeling it. And then I just climb back down. 
So yeah. do you um, proceed if you know for sure that you can't climb back down? Because you can't always. Can you always climb back Generally, down? Generally, I can climb back down. Almost always. Almost and, always. And if I know that I'm about to like pass a point where there's like no no turning back, then you know I sort of know that that's a big deal, and I think about it. You know, I think it through. Because um, like, on a 60-minute piece, that was actually something that I... Yeah, the narrator who's yes. talking about like... Is oh, he incorrect? Uh, actually, so I just had lunch with him. He's the guy I was yeah. hanging out with in... Uh, in uh, whatever venice or wherever it was uh-huh. and um uh well i don't know so he was a big big climber in the 70s and he established a lot of those routes and all that and i mean i know what he means that it is harder to down climb but the thing is like nowadays i mean i don't know i practice down climbing like i could down climb that you know for sure so he was just hating no he wasn't hating but like <laughs> but from his perspective people don't down climb stuff like that right well, you know? maybe he it was a little bit of hyperbole yeah a little bit um, but no, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the route on 60 Minutes, like, if I absolutely had to, I could have hiked to the top and then down-climbed the thing. You know? Wow. It could have been like, oh, we're filming it in reverse. Holy you know? shit. But it would be a lot less rad like that. <laughs> You'd be like, that's fucking <laughs> stupid. That guy's climbing down the mountain. You know, it's, but, not, it's still just as scary, but I yeah, see what you're saying. Like, yeah. it doesn't give you that satisfaction yeah, that you exactly. get climbing up the yeah. mountain. You do a really hard hike, and then you freaking do an extremely dangerous down-climb. Have you ever climbed to the top of something and then realized, holy shit, um, I have to climb down because I can't walk down. There's no other way to get down. Uh, a little bit. I've had a handful of like epics like that, <laughs> but actually, yeah, a couple of my gnarliest experiences have been uh, topping out routes that that you conventionally uh, rappel down. Mm-hmm. But since I don't have a rope on me, I'm like, okay, I'll just pioneer some kind of new descent. And um, so a couple of them involve. Do you know Zion National Park in Utah? No, it's like a really pretty river canyon. It's like sandstone. It's it's, it's beautiful, but um. It's like a thousand foot wall, and then the the rim of the canyon is like two thousand feet above it, and it's a really really steep sandstone. And uh, normally you would climb a thousand feet and then rappel back down and be like, oh sweet. So I climbed a thousand foot wall, and then I'm up there, and it's like two thousand feet are really steep, and it was all covered in like snow or it's sort of like consolidated hail. It's all messed up. Oh god, super hard to scramble in, you know, because you're like, oh, it's anyway. And then it started snowing as soon as oh, I topped out, geez. and so I was like clawing my way up this hail in like this driving <laughs> blizzard. And I, it actually, and then it's I, a blizzard while you were up there. Yeah. Well, so the day that I decided to do, I was I was a little angstful, and I was like, I'm gonna do this, goddamn it. And, uh, How old were you at the time? This is like last. This is last February. It was a year ago. <laughs> but um, but uh, so the forecast said that it was gonna start snowing at noon, and I was like, well, you know. I'll finish by then. And so I finished it. I finished it at like 1130. It started snowing right on schedule. And I was like, oh, no problem. I'll hike off. The thing is, even once I made it to the rim, which took me forever, and it was, I was getting pretty wet and pretty cold, and it was kind of messed up, and visibility was so low, I was worried about getting lost. And then once you're up on the top, it's just a big plateau, and I was hoping to hit this one trail that it was like a 10-mile hike on the trail back around to get back to the car. And, uh, and even that's all just a field of snow and, like, whiteout blizzard style. And I was just running along in my climbing shoes being like, God, I hope I can find something. But miraculously, wow. I found the trail and made it all the way out and it was no problem. Holy you know? shit. But it's you're by like, yourself in all these experiences. Yeah, it's pretty. That no was actually, satellite phone, no nothing. Satellite phone. Uh, you just, <laughs> yeah. why would I have a satellite phone? I'm only climbing at the top of a mountain. No, I mean, well. The the thing with that, though, is, like, <sighs> so the whole time I did, I was like, this is hardcore, you know? Right. But then as soon as I was back at the car, I was like, well, it's like noon. I had a very eventful morning, but like it doesn't even feel like a full day. You know what I mean? The whole thing, like the whole thing, like feels surreal because you're like, did I just do that? Like that was weird. You know, it only took a few hours, but you're just like, whoa! Wow, hardcore. was that the most hair raising experience you've ever been on? No, for sure, no. But it was, no, but it, for sure, no. Well, it was a very invigorating morning. You know, you could call that. <laughs> but, what What is the most uh, hair raising experience you've ever had? I I don't know. I mean. 
Depends what you call hair raising. What's the most difficult climb you've ever done? I don't know. Um, I, I mean, again, you know, I need like tighter definitions. Okay. Um, has there ever been a climb that you did where you you realized like, wow, that might have been the most strenuous, the hardest ever I've ever had to work. <laughs> yeah, I have not yet <laughs> shit my pants, but I've come close. But um, so for free soloing, maybe um, the first time I free soloed Half Dome, which was in 2008, I think. At the time, I think it was maybe a little bit much for me. You know, like when I finished, I was like, ooh. Maybe, not that I like got away with it, but that's kind of the feeling. You know, you get to the top and you're like, whoa. That so was you had nerves. More than, you had a weird Yeah, for sure. Feeling. I was like, yeah, because the one of the hardest and least secure parts of the whole climb is up at the very top. So you're at like the top of a 2,000-foot wall. And um, and it took me like 250 to climb the whole route. So I was probably up there at 235 at this like super hard part. And I'm already kind of frazzled, and you know, because you've been really focused for like two and a half hours, like trying right. really hard. And you're just getting a little tired and whatever. Right, right, And then you right. get to the hardest part that's also the least secure. It's a really insecure style. It's like there are no actual holds to hold on to. It's just like a bald slab, that, and you just weight your feet. And so uh, you just have weight to... your feet. What do you mean? Uh, it means like so you're wearing really tight climbing shoes. It's like oh. really precise edges on them, and you basically just it'd be like if you took that brick wall and you like leaned it back and made it a little smoother, and then all you could do is stand on the little edges of the bricks. You know, really? actually, well, if you tilted it back to like 87 degrees, you could probably walk up that wall with no hands, but just the edges. You know, but we were really joking scary. around about that. You would look at this wall and start thinking about roots. Do you, <laughs> well, do you see a wall and, and look for areas? I mean, to a, climb little, a on little them? bit, a little bit. Is there but. a difference between a guy who does your type of stuff, like mountain climbing stuff, and those crazy dudes that climb buildings? No, I mean, you know, he's still just climbing stuff. Do you it's, practice on the floor? Do you like practice climbing on the floor? Wouldn't that be called laying down? No. <laughs> I mean, like, 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 it would. Brian, shut mind. the fuck up. <laughs> I, I mean, I do push ups. Does that, does that count? <laughs> do you, uh, do you have like a, a strength or conditioning program that you, uh, I do, did a or bunch do you of, just do a lot of. Climbing? No, I, a little bit when I'm motivated. Like, I did a bunch of planks this morning. But I don't know. Does that help your climbing? I don't know. That's the, that's the thing, but I mean, it makes my core real strong. If you're, like, if your climbing is done right, how much of it actually does involve physical strength? A fair amount. A fair amount. Fair amount. Eventually. The thing is, so what I was just talking about, a slab, you mm-hmm. know, that's all about technique and precision with footwork and all that kind of thing. That's all mental. And, and I mean, you have to have toned calves, whatever. But um, but then if if you tip a wall back the other way and you're climbing out some kind of like overhanging ceiling, mm-hmm. then, I mean, it really does come down to having strong arms and strong to pull fingers. Yourself yeah, up. yeah. I mean, in general, for a recreational climber, you should be using your feet and you should be using good technique and you should keep your weight over your legs. But um, but when you get into really high end climbing, it's like um, you know, you just got to be able to pull really hard too. So I saw a video or a photograph of you holding on to some pillars or some beams and doing chin ups. Oh with yeah, fingers. yeah, yeah. Can you do that? You really can. You can well, yeah, do I chin ups. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a photo of it. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, uh, well, you, if the beam you can is actually really like, ergonomic. lift yourself up and move and yeah, 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 not just yeah. hold there. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I could do like two pull ups on those beams before I'd fall over. Wow. I mean, it was really hard for me to hold on to them. Yeah, I would imagine, though. But, but that's got to be pretty rare that someone can even do it, too. Well, but, I mean, there are plenty of dudes who are a lot stronger on that kind of thing than I am. Is but, that, like, because uh, like, I've heard crazy stories about these free solo climbers being able to do chin-ups with one finger. and Is yeah. that, like, a thing that that's, you can do that? Um, right now, I could probably do two. Two fingers? Um, when I was a kid, I could do, like, a one-finger, one-arm. I think now I'm too One-finger, one-arm chin-up. Yeah, I mean, hanging off like a sling, you know, like a little piece of rope or something. That's yeah, the photo of you hanging there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, classic. 
that uh, that chalk stuff's huge, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, same as gymnasts and everything. Keeps you, your hands dry. Yeah, you, do you ever solo something without chalk? You look at it and like, I don't need chalk for that. Uh, no, you pretty much always take a chalk bag. Unless it's, like, real easy and I'm just scrambling up it. Have you ever lost your chalk bag? I have. Actually, it's, it's, it's funny you ask. Um, this last summer, like, one of the biggest things that I've done, soloing the triple, which was, like, climbing three big faces in Yosemite in a day. Um, the the second thing that I climbed was El Capitan, which is like a three thousand foot face, and I climbed it through the night, and I accidentally forgot my chalk bag at the bottom. Oh my and I was god! Like, yeah, and so when I was all ready to start climbing, I was like, oh damn it, you know. And actually, it was kind of messed up because the route was kind of wet because it rained a lot the day before. Oh jeez! And so it's the kind of thing where you like you really want a chalk bag, but um, I was like, well, bummer, you know. And then I did the first eight hundred feet, and then I actually passed a party who was sleeping on the route because most people climb it over like four days. What? Yeah, well, I mean, a three thousand foot face is like. So you you saw a guy that was like camped out in one of those crazy outcropping tents. Is yeah, that what it was? yeah, they were actually well. So it's kind of a standard ledge. It's like where people generally camp on the. Oh, route. it's a ledge. Well, it's like the size of half this table. You know wow. what I mean? So it's like, but so there were two parties of two guys, and they were all camped on it. Wow. And so they each had the little tents that you're talking about, so that you know, because there's not much room. So it's half the size of this table, and everybody's on it, and a big party. Yeah, but that's pretty comfortable compared to hanging on a vertical face. You know right. what I mean? You're like, oh, sweet, I can stand. You can take off your harness if you want, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> though, but so I passed these dudes in the middle of the night who were camping there, and the guy gave me a chalk bag. I was like, thank oh, God. Oh, wow. So then when I got to the top, I tied that off to this little tree, so then he got it back later. But, so, oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, I was psyched. So you just kept going. You climbed the, the whole yeah. thing. And once you got the chalk bag, you're like, dude. Then it was game on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! What did they was, say to you when you're like, "I forgot my chalk"? We're like, "What the fuck, man!" Uh, a little bit. I think they were like, "Huh?" Well, you know, the, <laughs> fa- the fact that the fact that they're up there for like five days, you know, and that this dude climbs through and he's like, "Um, excuse me, do you have any chalk?" And they're like, "What the fuck? Like, what's this guy doing?" You know? But yeah. Actually, so I wow. met that guy again since then. Oh, I think really? I think that's his favorite story because I've probably met like half the climbers on the West Coast. You're like, hey, you you met my buddy Steve. He gave me you gave him his chalk bag, whatever, or right. he gave you his chalk bag. I've met like a dozen people who were like, hey, I met this guy that you know. I, th- I think they were pretty psyched, you know, just because it's a funny story. Oh, it's a very but, funny story. It's a very crazy story, though, man. Just yeah, well. <sighs> your reality is your reality to you. It's just normal. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's normal. But I'm serious. I'm talking to you. My hands are sweaty. I get sweaty. I think about high heights, <laughs> and I get like the butterfly thing. I could yeah. just think about it being yeah. like high up. And yeah, I can do that and freak myself out. Do you look at like when you're at a building and something? You think I can climb this bitch? Do you, do you look at things like that? I don't know. I mean, buildings I do look at, and I'm like, oh, that would be rad, except you get arrested, so I kind of nip that in the bud, <laughs> you know? But with rocks, for sure. I mean, you see th- some things you just, you're like, that looks rad, and I'd love to climb that. Do climbers ever do things like that for publicity stunts, like know that they're going to get arrested, but just climb something anyway? Well, yeah, I mean, surely you've heard of Alain Robert, the, Alain Robert, the French solos guy who did the New York Times building and has like, climbed pretty much every skyscraper in the world. You know um, what? Probably peripherally, I've heard of that guy, but I've never. I mean, really well, when read you talk when you talk him. about dudes soloing skyscrapers, he's the only he's dude guy. soloing skyscrapers. Yeah, like any skyscraper you've heard of being soloed, it's that guy. And they don't lock him up for what? Uh, well, no, I mean he's been arrested tons of times. Like he, he topped that, he topped up some building in Japan and got punched in the face by a security guard. Wow. <laughs> you know, he's had all kinds of weird stories. But um, I met him in Poland at this like film festival thing last year, and I was like, oh, it's it's great to meet him actually because he was like a really good climber like in the '80s and '90s, and then he sort of transitioned into like he he doesn't even call himself a climber anymore. He's just like, oh, you know, I just climb buildings, it's fun, whatever. It's like his job. 
But so does he sell books or does do? Yeah, he does like speaking stuff, appearances, speaking books. Stuff. Like some of the buildings, I think he gets paid for because you know, like in the Middle East, they like <laughs> unveil like the biggest building in the world or whatever, and then they pay him to climb it. You That's know, ridiculous. Whatever, you know. There was a guy, uh, I don't know if it was him, but someone was doing something recently. It was on the news. I just was walking through an airport or something. The guy had suction cups and was climbing up some fucking glass building. Was it uh, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible movie? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I think it was an actual real person. Oh, yeah? Yeah, some guy. I didn't think that shit existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does. Yeah, he was climbing up a glass building and he was using suction cups. You can... uh, yeah, you can actually do that it. That seems like it'd be scary. Yeah, it was real scary. He was also, at one time, it was another video of another building, I guess. He was in a crack like this, like it was like a V crack, mm-hmm. uh, going smaller as it got away from him. And he was climbing the wall that way, just pressing mm-hmm. up against the wall and climbing that way. Do yeah, you, that's, that's you, probably is that standard, like yeah. a standard technique? Yeah, for sure. Do you ever get yourself in a situation like that where that's how you're climbing? You're pressing up against yeah, yeah. the wall and just and going? And that's, that's actually a lot easier probably than it might look to you. Really? Probably. I mean, generally, yeah. when you're doing any kind of counter pressure type stuff like uh-huh. that, like pushing two sides, I mean, you're using your whole body as opposed to just your fingers. Right. So, I mean, it's not that not that strenuous, <laughs> depending on how what the angle is and everything. My God. But we well, you know how little kids love to like chimney up like door frames or hallways or whatever. Yes. You know where you put your back against one side, your feet yeah. against the other. I mean, uh-huh. that's pretty pretty stable, and you know it's easy to do. Like, <sighs> You know. what, what is that? In, here's the guy. See, he's got the. Oh yeah, that's I don't that's a, that Lambert Bear. Does he have suction cups though? No, no, not no. In this no. One. So, but that's actually quite easy. I mean, he he can go no hands right right there. You know. So then, when he has to do the movements in, be, in between levels, this is insane. You think this looks easy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, not that I'm diminishing his accomplishment, but like, but that particular like feet of climbing does not look hard at all. You should become a you should become a tagger. You'd be like the ultimate tagger. <laughs> yeah, but that goes back to want, not wanting to get arrested, you know. Yeah, yeah well, uh, that's why you dress up as Spider Man or something. Honold was here, yeah. bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put that. Then you'd have to like carry paint with you and stuff. It's annoying. Yeah. That would fuck up your whole balance thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just a sticker, a single a big sticker. old bucket hanging off me. This uh, Alan Robert guy. Um, he started off doing the regular climbing and yeah. then just decided there's no money in this shit. Actually, I think part of it was that. Um, he had a couple of kind of terrible ground falls where, like, he fell so long and got all messed up and, like, oh, yeah? broke different things. And so um, I think he now has, like, a somewhat restricted range of motion, like, can't move his arms in certain ways. And so um, so so long on rock is kind of out of the question a little bit because rock requires, like, real rock requires such a diverse range of movements because you never know, like, where the holds are going to be or what direction they'll be facing, whereas buildings are extremely uniform. Right, right, You know, right. so, like, with a building, like, he can look at it and be like, okay, I'm going to be... Like, that little clip you just saw, he did that exact same movement over and over for a 1,000 feet or however big that building is. So, to but you, so. this is like... I guess it's just another example of something where if you don't know how to do it, it looks impossible to yeah, do. Yeah, but if but you know how to do it, you're like, it's hard. Yeah. I should know that by now. Yeah. You know? I mean, but isn't every guess that you have on like that? You know, where you're like, astrophysics, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. And they're like, actually, it's real boring. All you do is like... <laughs> Study physics. No for one has ever years. said that astrophysics is boring. That well, that hasn't. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, it becomes commonplace. To yeah, them. It becomes, don't you do MMA shit or something? Or like, yeah, you punch yeah. people in the face. Well, I don't really hit them that much. Most <laughs> of what I do is jujitsu these days. Uh, so you throw like, them into a wall. It's you strangle them. Oh shit! Them, arm bars and stuff. Have you ever climbed <laughs> during a earthquake? Like, or <laughs> is that a fear of yours? Like having like this the big earthquake while you're. 
I would that would suck a fat one. Yeah. Yeah, but same, mountain, same as if you're shaking. driving over a bridge and the bridge uh, falls down. You know, it's like the same yeah, kind of but you're in a car, and if, the, <laughs> if it's like a movie, the car might hit the water, and then you can open up a window, and you can get out. And most likely, yeah. Huh. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but but uh, the the connection between you know, like looking at people doing martial arts it, it totally makes sense to me that you know it's yeah like, I mean like I watch a video of an Aikido master or something like throwing people around the world around well, the, the room and tell you're you like, something son most of that's horseshit yeah most of that's horseshit ah right, well Aikido either way it looks red a martial art that really works if the other person doesn't know anything oh. if you have no idea what this guy's doing or if you're cooperating and that's what a lot of it yeah, is. yeah the videos are a lot of the, type things. the guys are running at you and he's committing to a very specific technique and you're throwing him on the ground yeah. but you never see that applied in like a UFC match you, very well, rarely yeah, yeah. you see some of the principles of misdirection and ma- manipulating bodies and like throwing bodies mm-hmm. with leverage but the way you see it in like an Aikido demonstration, yeah. that shit never happens in the real world. It yeah. just doesn't. It's it's kind of there's a lot of that left over from there was a, a time where martial arts had like a great mysticism attached to it, but because of the UFC, because of mixed martial arts competition, it's become mm. much more pragmatic and now they really understand what works and what doesn't work. Mm. So Aikido is one of those martial arts that has some practical application, but has a lot of fuckery. <laughs> There's a lot of shit that just doesn't work. Well, so apply that to mindset do. to climbing. You know? Yeah, I'm sure. Climbing's like I'm the sure. same. Yeah, yeah I, have, I have friends that'll watch like a martial arts thing on television. Like, how oh, the fuck did that guy just do that? And like, that's a wheel kick. That's like standard technique. You know, there you so go. that's how you looking at this yeah, climb. Exactly. When that guy is on those two buildings or yeah. those two sides, you're like, that's uniform. Yeah. That's a hanger. That's easy. Yeah, it's just yeah. There's nothing to do. <laughs> Everyone's got their thing, you know. I, that well, some people don't have their thing. Sadly. Well, they should find their thing. They should knit. You know, they should start a garden. Like everybody can do something. Everybody should have a thing, though. I I completely agree. I had a friend who was getting divorced, and uh, but what that's one of the things he said. He said uh, he goes, if I find another woman, he goes, I swear to God, I'm gonna find someone who likes something. He goes, anything, fucking. Yeah, totally. He even actually said rock climbing. Yeah, there he said, you go. She's right. into fucking rock climbing. He was so mad. Because yeah. he had, de- well, he you know he married someone who was uh, a little bit vapid. It was uh-huh. a fascinating, there you fascinating go, dude. Situation. Everybody needs something to get him out of bed. Not know? just to get you out of bed, though. Just to make or life to be, fun. Well, yeah, to be fired up about yeah. it, you know, to like to make you. life interesting. Yeah, and it, it affects your health too. It really does. It affects how you feel. It affects how you, if you have something you really love to do. If there's anything I could ever tell anybody that's out there that's young, that's like got a lot of people that are telling them to take a safe route. Hopefully there are no young people listening to this. There's just, a lot of young people listening really? to this. I hope, oh, I yeah. hope they're all at 16. 8 to 14 know, is the, our target. Uh, yeah, we go for 12-year-olds. 12-year-olds are more malleable. Right. That's fair. Right. Oh, man, it's on the internet. I'm sure there's fucking... 12 year olds oh. listening. I get emails from 16 year olds all the time. I just time. don't like to curse with kids, you know. Why? Oh. It's just a oh. word. Seven year olds are oh. old enough. That's that's sweet. I feel I feel bad with little kids. Well, you shouldn't because oh. they're going to say it when they become adults. It's crazy. You should everybody should say fuck that way. Yeah, but it's nice all to it's preserve power. it for a little bit, you don't think? No. I okay. I say <laughs> keep using it but use it in moderation, no one to use it. It's none. like like comedians when comedians use the word "fuck" too many times, you overfuck. You ru- it ruins the impact of the word. But when you don't use it that often, and then you use it, boom, it works. My That's point kinda, is, yeah. uh, there's nothing wrong with little kids saying "fuck." It's it's adorable. <laughs> Didn't we watch that movie? What the fuck was that movie with uh, Nicolas Cage? The uh, Kick Ass, Kick Ass. Oh, yeah. Remember the oh, little girl a, calls everybody yeah. a cunt? It's beautiful. That's an awesome. There's movie. nothing wrong with that, man. We're we're silly people with magic words. But if there's anything that you can 
that young people can hear that can benefit them. The big one is do what you're drawn to. Whatever you're drawn to, go to that. Just yeah. find something you love to do because your life will be different than someone who just works. Because we can all get by just working and have hobbies and you know and have family and friends that keep us entertained and have people at work that we enjoy being around. So we can have a good time working. I'm not saying you don't have a good life if you're a person who works. What I'm saying is if you have the choice and you do when you're young, you do when you don't have commitments, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have a family, go to what you fucking love. Go there. Go get find whatever it is because you're a perfect example of that well, what you do would make me shit my pants every day of the week i have no <laughs> desire no i don't pants. i don't ever look at mountains and go fuck man i need to climb that shit never it's not in me it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me i look over the edge of buildings and i go oh and i fucking <laughs> run away and hide i am so not into that but i love the fact that you are you know, I love the fact that people are so different, that it's whatever it is, ones and zeros inside of your system make you look at a, a tree and want to fucking climb it. I don't know what that is, but I think it's awesome. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's shocking and it's weird, but it's awesome. And it's a perfect example of that principle in action. You've always been drawn to climbing. You climb and look at you, you happy bastard. That's, that's what I was saying. That my family's <laughs> always been surprisingly supportive, you know, because I think that's my great. mom sort of values exactly what you're saying. And she's like, that's what he loves to do. He's doing it. He's working hard at it, doing it well. Like, you know, can't do any better than that. You got a cool like, mom. That's, yeah. If everybody had a mom like that, we would be a better world. Yeah. Do you have any fears? Like, are you scared of shih tzus or anything like that? It's a little <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, no, nothing, nothing crazy, you know. My friend's girlfriend has a, a arachnophobia, like legit. Like, if you say spider around her, just say the word spider, her throat starts to close up. Really? And she can't talk. Oh yeah. She freaks out. That's Brian, you, you know who it is. She was there the other day, uh, Aubrey's girl. Oh, we the one that the I threw the fake spider on? Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> Dude, if you say the word spider around her, her, her throat starts to close off. Wow. Up. For it's no kinda, reason. It's kind of weird. Yeah. And she has no idea. She has no life experience with a spider. There's never been any... Molestation. You know, yeah, no spider molestation. <laughs> she was molested by a tarantula when she was a baby. You know what it... Pro- you know, I mean, what it probably was, was I bet someone in her chain of ancestry. This is just totally unscientific theory by me. <laughs> Like a daddy long leg? I have this idea of genetic memory, and it's a shit, you know, I'm not a scientist, so I shouldn't even be talking here, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's just a thought. The idea is that when people have, like, reincarnations, you know, when, when, you know, people say, like, uh, oh, uh, I'm, uh, you know, a soldier that lived in the 1600s, and I've been reincarnated, and, you know, I can tell you about the boat that I was on that got sunk by the British troops. You know, when, when people have those stories, I really wonder whether or not sperm whether or not genetics whether or not you're you're a bo- like when when a person makes another person how much information is actually getting to that kid it might be like a lot more than we have access to and it might very well be that when you are a person um, who has you know who many mix of thousands of, of traceable generations that all that information of all those people's lives might be somehow or another encoded in our DNA so in her past, somewhere on the, along that chain of life, someone had a fucking horrific experience with a spider and maybe almost died and shits their pants every time they see spiders and somehow or another that wacky gene, dink, finds its way into her little personality toolbox and now you say spider around her and her throat closes shut. I mean, it, this, it makes sense to me. 
I mean, obviously, I know that, nothing about that genetics. Make sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't Why make doesn't sense, make sense to, me. to you. I mean, you can get raped and feel okay, that for like a month, well, but that it, will go away. You know. Okay, like, where where do instincts come from then? Why why do we have instincts? Why do little children? Why are they afraid of monsters if they live in cities? Why is everybody afraid of things with big teeth that's in the dark? I'll tell you why. Because at one point in time, we used to be hunted by leopards. Okay, we would go out of our tents at night, and we'd get fucked up. You know, because we were little monkey people. And that shit is still in our head. We're still terrified of monsters in the night. And I think that's a genetic thing. I think there's certain instincts that humans have that are relayed through generation after generation of experience after experience. It only makes sense that somehow or another that but shit's human coded human in your DNA. Is different than, uh is different than personal experience. You know well, I, mean? I think it's not because memes, they know that racism can be transferred through genetics. They, they, there's direct evidence that people who do not have exposure to racism, but their parents were racist and they were adopted, are more inclined to become racist or have racist ideology. Except really? Like, where, where's that from? I don't know. They did some, some study on memes where they had uh, identical twins. I, I watched some documentary on the the, the concept isn't, of memes. Aren't memes uh, cultural genes, basically? It's not not just. It's ideas, period. And the, 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 the concept is that there's a certain amount of things that you learn in life that's relayed to your children. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why children of musical people become very musical. It's like it's very common that people mm-hmm. have children and their children, not just because it's the environment they grow up in, but they show like an instant proclivity towards some sort of a thing that you were very good at that wouldn't have to do with your physical genetics mm-hmm. as we think of it as terms of you know, body type and you know, athleticism and things along those lines, which we've already assumed transfer on and we know transfer on. But I think there's there's also life experience and mental things that transfer hmm. on. You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be racist because your dad was racist, because we know that's not the case with people that grew up with a racist dad. You know, I, I have a friend whose dad was his dad just can't not be racist, no matter what hmm. it is in the news. I mean, he's like an Archie Bunker type dude, you know, where it's kind of funny, but he's just so racist. My friend, like as liberal as they come, has no inclination mm-hmm. towards any sort of judgment of anybody. And it's probably just his response to growing up with this idiot. You know, he's sort of figured out how dumb it is. You know, he's rebounded from it, which is pretty common with people. Mm-hmm. But if he hadn't been around that guy and been in, in different environments, I mean, who knows how much of it is nature and nurture. But the concept is that some of it is being transmitted through information. Through genetics. I think it makes sense. So this poor bitch, somebody, somebody got jacked by a spider in her past. <laughs> Maybe. I might be right. It makes sense. <laughs> so, What's so funny? So like her great-great-great-grandmother was like Just sitting there eating right a pie pussy. once and a little spider bit her. And she was like, oh. I know a girl who got bit by a fucking brown recluse in her pussy. Oh. It was in her underwear. She pulled her underwear on, didn't know the spider was in there, and the spider bit her fucking pussy. And a brown recluse is the most horrific spider in North America. In fact, it doesn't just doesn't poison you. It literally turns your flesh it kills into it. dead flesh. Yeah. So you, what, what happened to her? She, her pussy died. Oh, can you imagine? Does she still have a pussy? Is it just a hole? It's dead. It died. Ugh. <clears throat> Did it really? Her pussy died. That's tragic. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> I don't know the extent of the damage, but I have never seen a brown recluse bite that didn't do some oh, damage. Yeah, that's pretty so gnarly. I don't know how quickly she got to the doctor. 
But essentially, the toxins kills all the flesh around it to the point where you have to carve it out. Yeah, it leaves like a big dead hole. It's yeah. totally disgusting. Yeah, so she has a hole in her hole. Oh. There's probably hair still growing say around it. it. Don't say it, you son of a bitch. They, they, um, they did do something um, with uh, oh, Jeremy Horn, one of the MMA fighters. He had a, um, a brown recluse sting on his leg. And he had like it was like a golf ball hole. It was crazy. He had like this giant hole that had just eaten through his leg, and he had to like keep gauze in it and everything. Ugh. It's happened to a lot of guys. These fucking brown recluses, they'll climb in your shoes, you know, and then you just put your shoe on, and it'll sting you, and your foot's jacked. Yeah, I poured a scorpion out of my shoe in Yosemite. Did you really? Like, hmm. Yeah. You didn't know it was in there. No, I mean. Oh, you this is before you put your shoe on. Yeah, yeah, thankfully, oh, yeah. Okay. I was going to put my shoe on and poured out a scorpion. It was like, huh. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. How how poisonous are scorpions? There's I mean, different it's not levels. Like a brown recluse. No, it's, it probably would have been fine. Some of them just... some of them fuck you up and some of them just hurt real bad, right? Like a beast. And I've heard the little ones are like real poisonous, but I think it's just painful. It's not like you're gonna die. Oh, okay. We we had we used them on Fear Factor, but we used the big giant ones, which are really not that bad. Yeah, which I think aren't as bad. Yeah, it's kinda crazy. But they fuck you yeah, up. That's counterintuitive. Yeah, they look horrific. Those big black the, yeah, they look so evil. But Wait, they're just intimidating. What what is fear factor? Fear factor. Fear factor. Yeah. Yeah. You were the. What do you do with that? You're the host or something. I was the host. I yeah. read it online. So yeah. what, what does that mean? You just told people they were gonna get messed up by weird animals <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> like, do you do you spend I'm, all your time climbing trees and shit? Well, like, we didn't never have like a TV and stuff. You know, really? it's one of those things I like heard of. But you seen. never had a TV. No, we had a TV, but it was like in my parents' room. And we didn't have cable, and we didn't. You know, I don't know. I didn't see that much TV. Wow. Um, Fear Factor was a game show, and it was... Um, and people got, like, tortured, right? No, no. They had to do things that were difficult. Like, sometimes they would have to like flip a car off a building. Sometimes they would get stung by scorpions, or they'd have to huh. eat bugs. Or drink I've a picture of cum. Or they could say no. For real? Like bull semen? Yeah. Like Red Bull, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Red Bull. No, it's white. <laughs> and it was donkey. donkey. Yeah, they had to drink Wait, donkey Wait, for cum. real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what got the show canceled. That got the show canceled? Yeah, yeah. that was it. That's where they drew the line. Like no shit. Capital letter E, capital letter N-U-F-F, enough. Huh. Would, you drink, would you drink a pitcher of Donkey Kong for f- uh, the chance to win $50,000? Not for the of chance, course. if I was exactly. getting for sure, you know? <laughs> If you were definitely getting fifty grand, you would do it? Maybe, I mean, yeah, Maybe. probably. It's not that big a deal. If it was that's, Donkey, the, that's what I never understood day. about those shows, is that like, if you had to do any of those things, it can't be that bad to do. But yeah. if you're just doing it for shits and giggles, like why would you ever just let yourself get stung by scorpions for fun? You know, yeah, but this was it. warm and curdled. Like there was a top hard no, layer of cum no, that wasn't. they had. To... No, there wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it actually was. Everything had to be uh, sanitized. Temper- yeah, temperature controlled to make sure it didn't curdle. Curdle. <laughs> make sure it didn't harden up. Was but there it's... a yellow oil on the top of it that just kind of like sat there in the middle? Oil? Yeah. Wow. Like it seems pretty. What's wrong with gross. your cum? <laughs> Your cum's broken. <laughs> Too much Starbucks or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, mycotoxins pool. Yeah. I bet yeah. if you it took a, a syringe and stuck it in that yellow stuff and pulled it out, it'd be pure mycotoxin <laughs> or DMT. That's your cum. It's just all pure, pure toxin. I wonder, can you get, can you extract DMT from cum? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the exact contents of cum are. Well, there's you're you're extra talkative today with dumb shit. <laughs> Is there something happening over the weekend? Did you hit your head? Can you, well, you can extract it from anything. Did right? you hit your head? No, you can extract it from humans and plants. Yeah, but it's cum, cum is sperm. It look, you be able can to... you get brain cells from cum? No, you can't. Yeah, there's DNA. In C- cum. cum can make a brain cell by combining with a woman's egg and making a baby, but you don't get brain cells out of cum, you silly bitch. 
But you don't, do you get brain you cells and grass? You understand that this is a podcast that people do, listen to? Do, do you get brain okay? cells and grass? You understand grass, that? Are you aware of that concept? How do you extract DMT from grass then? Okay, stop. You're, this is too dumb. It's too dumb. Can't do this. See what I have to deal with every day? You know what? That's a kid who grows up with nothing but TV. No parents. <laughs> they put him in front of the fucking TV. They never answered a question once. <laughs> and they, they broke him. Well. Tragedy. I, tragedy for you because you never been on the show before. You didn't know what you expecting. Yeah, guy thought he was going to come on here on some regular sixty minutes type show. Yeah, I was expecting sixty minutes. You know, super professional, super dialed. Yeah. How did sixty minutes find out about you? Uh, the producer was like an amateur climber. He was kind of kind of into it. Oh wow! So it was but, his idea. Yeah, and actually, he had to pitch it a bunch of times too. He said because. Uh, you know, he pitched it, and they were like, well, that sounds retarded. You know, and, and so he pitched again, and they're like, no, like, who cares about climbing, you know? And then he said that finally he uh, he cut himself his own little highlight reel type deal from stuff off the internet and whatever, and um, and then showed it to his bosses, like, look, it's this. And they were like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Oh, uh, visually, it's so stunning. That's the thing. That's the thing. How but if you just miss that? If you just tell somebody, though, there's this kid that's basically homeless that rock climbs a lot. You know, they're like, that sounds stupid. You know? How did you feed yourself when before the 60 Minutes thing, before you had sponsors? Well, I mean, I had sponsors before 60 Minutes. Actually, 60 Minutes didn't even change my whole sponsorship scene. I already really? had all the climbing stuff. Well, yeah, because, you know, the 60 Minutes just catapulted me into, like, the mainstream. But, I mean, oh. I've, I've been a pretty good climber for, like, years before that, you know? So how did people find out about you before? They just, you started... Like, climbing, word of mouth, whatever, like, climbing magazines. Because it's such a small community. Yeah, it's a fairly small community. And what, did, what were you doing for a living back then? Well, so for a couple years, um, so I dropped out of college after one year. I was going to UC Berkeley to do engineering. And you're and like, there's like, no climbing in this room. Yeah, what am I doing? Of, yeah. Get me out of here. I was like, this is kind of, I wasn't super fired up on it. You for know? engineering, what, what was the, the idea? I, was, I don't know. I was going to do civil engineering, like build big structures or something. I don't know. I wasn't like super excited about it, though. And then, uh, and then I kind of stopped, and then I went climbing for a while. And so for the like, I spent a couple years just kind of road tripping and climbing, and then I had sponsors and and did it more, you know, became so more and more. W- when you first left college, you, uh, what did you do? Did you get part time jobs and just climb everywhere? Ads. Well, so it's slightly more complicated. But so, um, my dad died like this summer before I stopped going to college. Well, actually, so first off, I got invited to youth nationals, whatever. So um, <laughs> like a like the youth World Cup type thing because I did well at U.S. Nationals. And so um, it gave me an excuse to be like, I'm going to take the next semester off and just like go to Europe, do this youth comp, and then uh, and then travel Europe and climb a bit, you know? So I was like, oh, I'm going to take next semester off. And then um, and then my dad died that summer. And so, you know, I was taking the semester off, and then he left enough money for my sister and I to finish school, like life insurance, you know, for us both to finish college. And, um, and so I went to Europe, you know, did this little comp, didn't do very well, whatever, but... Um, and then just never went back to college and then used the life insurance to, like, travel and climb for a couple of years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, whew. So when you first started doing that, did you ever believe that you could get to a point one day where you'd be a professional? You'd make a I didn't living? even know. I didn't even know there were professional climbers. You know, it'd be like, it's such a niche little thing. I mean, all I knew is that I loved going climbing and that there wasn't anything else that I'd rather be doing and that I wasn't super fired up on school. And so I was just... You know, like, well, I'm just going to go on a road trip. The road trip is kind of like a classic climbing thing. Everybody goes on the road trip and just travels and climbs and, you know, follows the good weather. And so I just did that for a few years. And then that's just like a, a climber community thing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of like most climbers do that, basically. But because you kind of have to because you have to you have to be at the different rocks in different places in good weather. So, I mean, you have to constantly move. <sighs> but. 
Wow. So while you're doing this, you're just thinking, hey, I've I just I've got the time to do this now. I'm enjoying doing this now. Let's just do it because I want to do it. Yeah, basically. I mean, you know, at the time I was like, oh, maybe if I get really good, they'll give me some free shoes, you know, because uh, I mean, for sure I knew that you could get sponsored, whatever that meant, you know, I was like, oh, they'll send you free ropes and they'll give you free shoes and they'll give you a harness like that's so rad, you know. And so, um, so I picked up little sponsors like that where I was like, oh, now I'm getting my free shoes. I'm so psyched, you know? Wow. And then, um, and then it sort of has like slowly snowballed, you know, where like, oh, now they're actually paying me. Like it, my first, my first, uh, my rope sponsor was the first people to pay me and they were paying me a hundred bucks a month. And I was like, yeah, I'm making a hundred bucks a month. A rope sponsor. Yeah. Totally. What are those ropes made of? Uh, like nylon, same as every other. Does anybody make a hemp one? Uh, that's like the old school. It's been replaced. Is the nylon better? Yeah, the nylon's way better. What is uh? Is it can get tighter? It can get stronger? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's probably durability. I think, and I think um, part of its elasticity. I think hemp like stretches more and and breaks easier and whatever. Nylon's just better. Yeah, there's no like uh, dudes who try to keep it real and go climbing with hemp rope no, and everybody else no. is like, hey, what the fuck? For are you sure, doing with now? ropes, nobody's like, I want to go old school. <laughs> I want to use the oldest rope possible. Well, people are weird with hemp, man. No, the hemp dude, has not, like a weird sort of um, attachment to it. Like, not like, for when your life depends on it. Nobody's like, I want hemp. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> Well, maybe they do, and they're not here anymore. (laughs) Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They smoked a little too much, and they're like, "Oops!" It turns out hemp doesn't really hold. Yeah, I got. I I have these this T-shirt line, Higher Primate, and the biggest complaint was that why are you selling hemp T-shirts, dude? Why aren't they not made out of hemp? How come they're hemp? I've never bet a hemp T-shirt that didn't feel like I was wearing a grain sack. Oh, (laughs) what's that one guy that makes those bags that you're friends with? Datsura? Datsura. I have a Datsura uh, T-shirt, hemp T-shirt, and it is soft as fuck. Is it really? Yeah, it's really nice. Hmm. It's thick and meaty. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's not like I like it thin. This is thin. Yeah, you like you this like this is like high end, thin, lightweight. Yeah, it's nice, like organic cotton expensive. or something. It's cotton and uh, it's like a blend. It's cotton, some some sort of nylon or something like you that. You like it's nice just, body shirts. Just what feels? Oh, that what it is. That's you, what it you, is. You try to wear. Tents. You get those Midwest guys. They're like, oh, you can see my nipples through these shirts. You don't like. That. <laughs> so you you're looking for something to drape over your frame. Yeah, we need I'm to hide in in waterproof. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. I just like things that are lightweight. That, yeah. that, that they don't restrict me when I move. But uh, yeah, Datsura has great shit. He's got, yeah. he's, he wants to sponsor the podcast, so we'll just do it's it a that good guy. way. Datsura makes um, gym bags, um, laptop bags, book bags, bags, all of it's high quality hemp. Colorado recently, uh, as uh, as far as um, the new thing that's been passed that makes marijuana legal, it also makes growing hemp legal. And the first guy is stepping up to start a hemp farm. So it's awesome. Um, we have to start a Kickstarter for his legal fund for when the DEA comes and locks him up. And some because of the, like the National Defense Authorization Act and the Patriot Act, that guy becomes a terrorist, and they lock him in some fucking cell in Guantanamo Bay. And that's not a joke, folks. If you if you're selling drugs in any way, shape, or form, you're like a terrorist now. And if you're selling hemp, even though it's not even psychoactive, it's not the psychoactive form of marijuana, it's still federally illegal. And they would treat you the same way they would treat someone who was growing heroin. It's so stupid. It's so fucking stupid. Because what what people don't understand is we sell hemp 
at Onnit. We have hemp protein. It's delicious. It's nutritious. It's, you don't test positive for THC because there's not any in it. You get this stuff from the male plant, the hemp plant, the cannabis plant. It doesn't have any psychoactive capability. You would have to get like a whole forest of it to get high. But, but it is very nutritious, and it is very illegal. We have to buy it from Canada. So we're allowed to have it, but we can't grow it. It's the dumbest thing in the world. So they buy it. We, we have to, the Canadians have to grow it. We, we get it from them, and then we sell it. But if we grow it, they'll lock us in jail for 100 years. If you grow the plants that you, you need to make hemp protein powder or hemp oil or any of that shit, they'll just lock you in jail for federal crimes. It's insane. It's unbelievable how dumb the, the world is. It's just, it's really, it hurts my brain sometimes that it's 2013 and that with the access to information that we have, the world and the government still hasn't caught up. The people in positions of power are still operating like it's the 1950s and the 1960s and everybody's fucking stupid. And it's, it's really amazing. It's, it drives me crazy. How many people get high and climb? Most. Whoa. I'm not going to do it though, but you know. I would think that... Um, Maybe not most, but a lot. Say a lot. Oh, I wouldn't man. do it. Yeah, you're <laughs> the last place you want to be paranoid. Well, or munchies. Jesus. Yeah, or have the munchies. You've got five hours to go to get to the top four. You need a quail egg. <laughs> quail egg. There's some specific nest that you go to. It's been mapped out. Hikers digest number 60. Go up there and eat that fucking poor bird's eggs. Try to get enough energy to make it to the top. So you can stay alive. Yeah, you don't want to get the munchies while climbing a mountain. Yeah, do you have a poop bag and stuff when you go up there? Or do you just if, you're, if you're growing up for like a week or something, then yeah. Oh. But, if, I mean, if you're doing day missions, you Have you ever had diarrhea in the middle of a climb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What happens? You, you just, just let it go? all over. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, what do you think you do? <laughs> I don't know. You just take a break. Do Actually, you, do, my, my do favorite... you attempt to take your pants off while you're yeah, up there? Yeah, no, for sure you take your pants off. You, you do while you're climbing? Well, no, I mean, there was little ledges and little stances or like something oh. you can... You so know. you get there and you just go buck wild the rest of the yeah, way? Yeah, you just do whatever. You go naked? No, no, no. You just you shake just, the shit out, put it no, back on. No, you don't poop your pants. I mean, you pull your oh. pants out and you take a poop. And then oh. the, best, the best is to shit put, where you poop onto a rock and then you hurl the rock off into the abyss. <laughs> you know, it's shit putting. It's like, it's pretty legit. Okay, because, so you've never been climbing and just shit your pants. No, never, no. That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> no, no. When way, you said dude. shit all over the place, <laughs> I no, thought like, you just let well, it no, go. The worst case scenario is, is like you have a rope on and you have to poop immediately. And so you just like swing to the side, you pull your harness and pants as far as you can, and you just poop all over the wall. That's like the worst case. It'd be really wow. slippery for me. <laughs> we need yeah, to make well. videos of this, dude. I there need, is a, no. Uh, it's got to be there's videos. A, there's an amazing climbing video of a dude actually pooping his pants. Oh, that get, some friends pull that up. Right. How do you yeah, find it? it? Uh, just uh, Google uh, "boogie till you poop" <laughs> because uh, the the guy was climbing a route called "boogie till you puke." And then he went up there, and then he pooped himself. <laughs> That's so hilarious. Boogie till you poop. Yeah, you, you just got to be careful about your diet when you're climbing up fucking mountains. Do you do you watch your diet? Do you have like a very specific um, nutritious diet? A little bit. I, actually, I've been vegetarian for like a month and a little bit. Yeah, how are you liking that? I don't know. It seems all right. I mean, we'll see. I feel the exact same. Is this the one with the video? The guy shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's actually it's one of my favorite climbing videos. Yeah. And is this um. <laughs> Requires a rescue. Oh, see, see, is he free soloing this? No, so he has a rope and everything, but the thing is, he's climbing a wide crack, and uh, like it's too big for him to put his hands and fists into or whatever, so he has to wedge his leg in, 
And so he gets his legs stuck. Guys, and he's like stuck, stuck. Oh wow. So this is him yeah, being like, oh god, I'm stuck. <laughs> and so then this other buddy who is filming it is down there trying to help him like extricate his leg. And he shits on him? Well, no, he shits in his pants, but. <laughs> But now, has this ever happened to you when you get stuck like this? So then he starts dry even because he's all hungover. It's like pretty gross. If you watch wow, the he's hungover <laughs> climbing a fucking mountain. This was, so this was during like the Squamish Mountain Festival. It's like a big climbing party up in up by Vancouver. And, uh, you know, everybody parties all night. Shit pants. It's. <laughs> I just shit my pants. <laughs> Does he get out of this? Okay. By the way, this is two podcasts in a row where we showed shit your pants videos. Yes. We showed the George Brett shit your pants story. That's pretty funny, actually. How does this guy get out of this? Eventually, they managed to wiggle his leg out with a lot God, of... this is a torture video. This is scary. He's stuck and shits his pants as he's about to puke. And the guy below him is, like, just downwind. The guy below him is telling him to relax. He's one of my really good friends. He's yeah. just trying to help him out, you know? It's pretty funny. Wow. They're both our good friends. Now, when you do this climbing, I'm ignorant to this as well. When you when you climb up a mountain and you're using ropes, um, how do you do it? Would you start out, do you like knock something in as soon as you climb to a certain part, knock something in that's secure and then connect your rope to it and then keep yeah. keep unconnecting it? Do you reconnect it? No, you it? um so generally you start at the ground with um what's called a rack of gear, like an assortment of gear that you have, mm-hmm. little things that you can put into cracks or like, you know, whatever put into cracks generally and uh and so you climb up and you put them in as you go you clip your rope into them so at any time if you fall you just fall double the distance to the last piece of gear you know because you climb like say five feet above the last piece of gear uh-huh. and so if you fall you fall that five feet plus the five feet of slack that you had out you so know? how does it relax or how does the how does the rope disconnect from the one so a second it? person has to climb up it after you so uh-huh. if you're climbing like a thousand foot wall then the first person person climbs you know say 100 feet and stops and then brings up the second person and then the then they do it again over and over the whole way it's called pitches or like rope lengths so you climb like one rope length and then you do the next one and then you do the next one is the technology for these pieces of equipment so good that nothing ever fails i mean for the most part i mean like everything breaks you know like everything in life will break in the right circumstances but um but climbing gear is really well made well manufactured and like pretty well tested so, um, I mean, yeah, th- there are circumstances where you can, like, trust your life to, like, a piece of gear, like, one little widget that you put into a crack, and you're like, well, you know, but generally you back things up, you have it all tripled or whatever, like. And these things that you put into cracks, they, they separate or something? Like, it, it co- No, they're like called cams, of- they're camming devices, so the two lobes, sort of like an umbrella or something. So you pull a trigger, and they contract, mm-hmm. and then you put it into the crack, and then they expand outward. Mm-hmm. So then when you pull on them, they expand outward even further, and so they wedge themselves into the crack. Ah. You know, it's, yeah, it's just a simple camming thing. So it's just the pressure of them yeah. pushing, just much like that guy was climbing that building. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's counter-pressure. Yeah. And how is it designed? Like, what is it made out of? Like, aluminum, I think, because it's light. Wow. Uh, but, I mean, they're rated to... I mean, they, they go through a whole rigorous testing process, and they're, they're pretty solid stuff. The falling thing is what really freaks me out when they fall and hang on that thing. Yeah, but I've you do that, that so often when, as a climber. You know that happens all the time, and so it's just not, you know, it's totally normal. So climbers are just used to falling and getting saved. Well, I'm sure, like, as a fighter, you're used to getting knocked over. You yeah. know what I mean? A climber's used to falling because you're always, to, to get better, you have to push yourself to failure, and so you're constantly falling, you know. Wow. Obviously not for solos, but, like, 
but you know the majority of the time you have a rope on and you're climbing to failure now do you when i when i asked you about your diet do you try to stay light does that make it easier one of, one of the things when we did fear factor one of the stunts that we had was uh people they were uh, hanging over this bridge by their hands and yeah. they dropped into the water you know it wasn't that far but it was just the idea was like who could hang on the longest and women won because they were lighter. Yeah, because they were lighter. Yeah. We had one guy who was like a, like a football player. He was big, strong guy. Could not. Yeah, but out. hands. I mean, yeah, just hands, hands are such small, just fine hands. little muscles. Yeah. Well, being a big guy is like a huge liability if you're trying to hang on. Yeah, that's know? what I would imagine. Yeah. So, do you um, make sure that you don't gain weight, or do you? I mean, you, I, you I, I try. I'm, I mean, I I love eating pastries and stuff. You know, so right. I don't watch too much. But um, but I, I mean, I try. Yeah, for but sure. But you're very thin. It must be a lot of calories. Not, not that thin. I mean, Chris. Well, you're not fat. You're muscular. Dude. Well, I didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, no, no. You, you um, certainly have muscle, but I mean, you're not a fat guy. Yeah, no, you're for lean. sure. I That's mean, well, I yeah, I mean, mean, but you can't. I mean, you couldn't go climbing all the time and, and be a fat dude, you know? Because it does you burn just, a lot of calories, right? Yeah, I mean, well, just being outside all the time and exercising is gonna get you pretty fit. Like when you have like a big climb that day, do you do you prep yourself? Do you have like a pre-climb meal? No, that no, you do, I, eat, I eat pretty much the same all all the time. I just eat stuff, just whatever you want. Yeah, we'll see. And you know, so, I just try not to eat too much or like go hog wild, you know. Right. Uh, and no drinking. Yeah, but that's just because I'm not into it. I don't know. I just don't like it. That seems like the worst place to ever be, where that guy was, where he was hung over and he was in the middle of the climb. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exact. That's uh, you know, that's part of the reason I don't drink. I look oh. at stuff like that. And I'm just like, what a disaster. Yeah. What is your mindset while you're climbing? What do you What are you thinking of when you're when you're doing it? No one's around. It's just you. I mean, it depends. So, like, on hard stuff, I'm probably not really thinking about anything. I'm just executing the movements that I have to do. You know you know what people say about being in the moment or, you know, uh -huh. flow and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm just doing what I do. On easy stuff, it's the same as, like, going jogging or swimming laps or anything where you just think about whatever. You think about dinner. You think about your to-do list, things like that. Just, so when it you know. when it gets to the point where you must focus exactly on yeah. what you're doing, that's that's where you like it. Yeah, well, I mean... There's something fun about just going out and going jogging, too, you know, like just right. climbing up a big peak or something. And then when you get to the top, looking around and being like, oh, that was fun, but keeping it really mellow the whole time. But for sure, the, the harder stuff, when it requires that extra little something, I mean, that is more rewarding. And what does know? it feel like when you get to the top? Uh, of like hard stuff? Giant, stuff? crazy shit. Like, I mean, generally, really it's just kind of a general satisfaction. You know, you're like, that's rad. And well, and also, you're always in these beautiful places. The view is always amazing. You know, you're always by yourself doing something really cool. So, I mean, there's always that, like, you know, elation with, like, being where you are. But then there's also that deep satisfaction of, like, I just did something very hard and did it well. You now, know? how many cool. chicks started bombing on you once you had this uh, 60 Minutes piece? Dude, not, the, not that many. Get the fuck out of here. That's ridiculous. I don't believe yeah, that. Yeah, I don't have that much game, dude. Look you, at don't me. Have, you don't need any game. All I live in a van. <laughs> well, well, maybe that makes it easier. Van <laughs> has a door that opens, there's a chick that's willing to come inside. Well. Trust me. Yeah, maybe I'll hang in the wrong places or something. You, say, you can't say you have no game, dude. That's ridiculous. I don't know. You're this climbing freak, okay? That in itself is game. Maybe. Yeah, it, it, listen, it is. You know, it might not be your, your main motivation, but for, you know, most human beings, one of the reasons why they get really good at shit is to get pussy. Well, no, for sure, as I was getting better at climbing, every, you know, every time I was like, oh, if I got on the cover of a climbing magazine, then I'd get laid. <laughs> and, then, and then you get on the cover and you're like, dude, nobody's calling and nobody gives a shit, you know? And then you're like, oh, if, if I get interviewed in, like, Men's Journal or something, then I'll start getting laid. And then you're like, dude, turns out nobody reads that shit either, you know? 
Yeah, and I would then, feel like Men's Journal, like all those fitness magazines. You buy it when you're at the airport, and you like go like that, like that, <laughs> yeah, like that, and then you leave it in your fucking yeah, well, or seat like, in front of you. You know, the cover of National Geographic, like, oh, that'll get me laid. Like, turns out, no. Uh, oh, well. Not a lot of people reading. Yeah. <laughs> buy yeah, shit look at the obviously pictures that's the problem yeah, yeah but that 60 minutes piece that had to be a big difference between everything yeah, no. else you did and then the subsequent viewings of it on the internet yeah for which sure. is where i found out about yeah. it i didn't see it live it was yeah. uh, i think twitter i think someone sent me a link and said you got to check this out hmm. and i think i i jumped out of my chair and uh, i climbed on top of it like those cartoons where there's a mouse on the ground you know where you're in a crouch and you just my feet were on the chair and i was watching you climb a thing i was like what the fuck is he doing Jesus, son. You need a sex scandal or something. No, you don't need that. You just need a bigger van. Dude, I was... Pimp van. I was in a... What the heck? There was some online thing. It was like a... Fuzzy dice. ESPN, like, list of top athletes or some shit, and I beat Kobe Bryant because I hadn't had a sex scandal. You know, because they had this whole algorithm that, like, you know, took in all these different things that you've done versus... But then divided by the number of terrible scandals you've had, and I was oh. like, "Dude, I beat Kobe because I, I live clean." You know, I was like, dude, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> it's kind of classic. That's hilarious. I forget what that but was. It also shows how so stupid like, that fucking thing is. That that the, that's algorithm. Well, yeah, using. yeah, no, obviously, I was like, it was retarded. But um, but you know, I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty funny. Now, um, have have there been traditionally a lot of girls that do this? Solon? Yeah, there are two. I think two in the world ever. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, basically, basically no. But there are a handful of girls that do do that. But are there girls that do like a lot of the rope stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially in Europe. I mean, it's probably fifty fifty split. You know, really in the U.S. maybe it's sixty forty or seventy thirty. But it's still it's like, that big. Yeah, it's pretty close. So that's I mean, your target if, audience, buddy. Well, yeah, I mean, Listen, if you go I'm to a gym, this down for you. I'm gonna narrow this down as far as chicks. You need to go. Those are the ones who are gonna be the most impressed with you. <laughs> Yeah, boy. but they're all probably yeah. gravel faces. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like their faces have a bunch gravel. of holes all over it. Gravel <laughs> face? Why? He doesn't have Just gravel. from hitting. No, he but, looks fine. Yeah, but they probably must. Nah, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> they probably fuck up more. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you were going to say? No. I mean, honestly, nowadays the, the majority of climbers climb in the gym in a city. You know. <laughs> So okay. it's not like rugged mountain people. It's just like college kids and stuff that like to go boulder in the gym. And that's how you started. You started yeah, in Sacramento. Yep. Badass yeah. town. Love Sacramento. Really? Yeah, I love I it. Like, yeah, I like yeah. doing stand-up up there. It's fun. Oh, yeah? They're wild. Huh. It's, like a, it's like a combination <coughs> of um, like country people and city people. It's like a, hmm. a weird sort of a blend. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's kind of a hickish city. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Now these people um, that, that do these rock climbing gyms, like that own them and stuff, do most of them do the stuff that you like not the stuff that you do but the the mountain stuff or is there two distinct camps there's people who just do gym rock climbing and you know i wouldn't say they're distinct camps but for sure they're people who just climb in the gym especially like the bay area around uh you know san francisco and berkeley and all that uh-huh. they're probably you know thousands of climbers that to them rock climbing just means going to the gym hmm. you know but then but then maybe half the people in the gym also go outdoors every weekend and all that you know it would seem to but, me that the the rock climbing in the gym could not be nearly as exciting, even if it was really No, but, good. Uh, but you know, I mean, whatever. There are also people doing, like, Zumba in the gym to work out or whatever that means. You know what I mean? Like, right. everybody chooses something. And climbing is certainly, like, more fun than, than most ways to work out, you know? What I was going to get to is when you first started, you did it in the gym. And what, when, what was the feeling when you did your first, like, mountain? 
You mean like big outdoor climbing? It's just like going from doing it in the gym to going to a mountain and you know and climbing. Well, the ropes. I mean, honestly, the first the first times I climbed outside, I like didn't like it as much because I was like, oh, how do you find the holds and all that? You know, like yeah. how do you do it? Because it's like different sports, really. I didn't know how to do it, but then as I learned and as I got more into it, you start to appreciate. And you're certainly in a more beautiful location, you know, that's kind of the main thing. Does it give you a different sense of accomplishment is what I was trying to get at? Oh, yeah, for sure. It just feels different, right? Yeah, I mean, when you get to the top of something in the gym, you know, know, there's some satisfaction in the physical achievement. You're like, oh, I'm stronger than I used to be, or I learned how to do some technique. But, like, when you get to the top of something outside, you're like, that was rad. You know, like, this is a worthy objective, whatever. It's, like, inherently, you know, it has more inherent meaning. One of the things I saw on the 60 Minutes things, they asked you to hold up your fingers. You have uh, you have really big like fat fingers, right? It's from, I guess so. Yeah, from just climbing and clawing at things. Yeah, I think it's maybe from climbing cracks where you put them in a wedge and torque on them and stuff. Did you have to condition your hands in any way, or did it just happen? No, yeah, you just by I doing mean, it. This is seventeen years of climbing, you know. Well, that's what you need to tell girls. Get, like, girls need to know that. If he, they know about his hands and his strong fingers. Do you think that means that he has a strong dick? No, I'm saying? saying that he's really probably powerful hands. I haven't conditioned hands. that for as many years. What's that? I haven't conditioned it for as many years <laughs> as my hands. <laughs> it helps you wedge into cracks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you have to, like, at some point in time where you're literally getting, like, two inches of your fingers in a crack. Yeah, or less, I mean. Less, even yeah. less. What's the smallest amount that you're actually holding your body well, out I mean, with? An inch? I mean, the just, like, half of your last pad. So half of the... Uh, half of your last pad. That's I a mean, half you could an be, inch. Yeah. yeah or, and that's you're holding your whole body up. Well, I mean, you have your feet on things, too. You know, probably really, really small things, but... Jesus Christ. I mean, it can I mean, that, that would be like when it's really hard. You know, best case scenario, you have your whole hand sunk in, you know, and you're right. just like attached to the and mountain. Just gra- like, cr- are cracks the most difficult thing to navigate? No, cracks are actually like the most secure thing to navigate. Really? Because, uh, because once you put your fingers in or your hand in, you can, uh, so like if you put your hand into a crack, you move your thumb down and it gets fatter and then it wedges in shape. Like oh, sort of, sort of like a camming device. Like I was talking, you just oh, make your hand fatter, and then it gets locked in place. Oh. And so once you have your hand locked in like that, I mean, you could just, you know, I mean, you just hang shit off it. Like, yeah, exactly. You shit your pants, and you're <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> but so, like, when I'm climbing hand jams, like it feels like I'm walking or something. You know, I'm just like, you know, I can climb. Well, I have climbed thousands and thousands of feet of hand jams, like with no, you know, just whatever. <sighs> now you've been doing this for 17 years. What keeps you doing this? What is, you know, it's rad. It's just rad. You just love it. You love it. I mean, after, as soon as we're done, I'm driving to Vegas to go climbing again. And then I'm flying to Mexico in a couple of days for like a month road trip thing. And when you're doing a lot of these, you're doing them just by yourself. You're just pulling up, showing up and climbing. Uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, the big solos, the stuff that you've seen, I mean, I maybe do like four or five days like that a year. Okay. You know, most of it you're doing with ropes. Yeah. yeah, I I climb with a partner and a rope 99% of the time. And then. You know, the videos and stuff that you've seen are, like, the playoffs and the Super Bowl of, of climbing, you know. But you're not seeing all the practice and all the, like, you know, the years that go into, like, getting ready for the Super Bowl. I don't wow. Know. So, for you, yeah. it's just a, a thrilling, fun thing to do, and it hasn't lost any of its charm. I mean, the charm has transitioned, I think, as I get older. Like, now I love the travel more, and, like, you know, I'm pretty excited about going to Mexico and traveling around and, like, seeing new places and all that. You know, whereas when I was younger, it was just a matter of, like, trying to do physically do hard moves and being like, oh, I can, you know, do whatever this boulder problem that I couldn't do before. And, you know, it was like seeing that growth. 
now I'm kind of like, uh, you know, there's always somebody who's going to be stronger and better and whatever. Like, it doesn't really matter how hard the moves are. Now it's cooler for me to go to, like, cool places and climb new things and all that. But, you know, I mean, I still love climbing. It's just... Now, what is your life like now in terms of, like, media obligations and how, mu- how much of that stuff has changed? Um, I mean, six, since 60 Minutes, it's obviously kind of blown up quite a bit. Um, yeah, I'm juggling a lot more, like, speaking opportunities and, you know, I mean, stuff like this where I'm like, oh, cool, check out something new and, like, see what it's all about. Um, but yeah, the thing I think is, it's cool like, that you did this because uh, for folks listening, he had no idea what the podcast was and never listened to it, <clears throat> just had been... You know, just hounded by people online <laughs> and i was like well i mean it must be cool it but works. then also like my best friend lives in la so i was like oh it works out you know i'll just kind of put them together that's kind of how i try to do all my media slash you know whatever those kinds of obligations i try to lump it into what i'm already doing or like make it fit right seems to work all right do you still you know? live in that van yeah i mean it's parked out front <laughs> but wow you know. but now i'm probably <laughs> overseas like half the year and so then i just leave the van parked somewhere and you know camp or do whatever um now like when you live in a van, do you just like uh, shower at a gym or something? Like what do you do? Or a river? Or never? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I mean whatever. Yeah, you just make it work. I mean, oftentimes, or like, so I'm going to Vegas and I'll be in the van. But um, I mean, I'll be staying at one of my friends' houses probably. I'll probably be sleeping in the van, but I can use this house. You can use the kitchen if I want, whatever. You know. So yeah. everything you own, every your your whole life is in a van. Mostly, I mean. My mom's house in Sacramento has, like, some other random piles of stuff in it. You know, like, camping gear that I knew that I wouldn't need on this trip. You know, I just leave it at mom's house. Wow. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever, like, say, man, I got to get a fucking apartment? No, definitely not. Like, why would you pay rent for a place that you don't ever go to? Well, a lot of people, they go and they lie down in a bed. And then well, they watch a little pussies, TV. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> they're pussies with their silly bed while you're camping on a ledge. Yeah, I sleep 50. really well in the van, though, honestly. It's, uh, you know, do I you? get in my sleeping bag and I'm just, like, out. It's How really do you nice. know where to go? Do you have, like, like when you come to a new town, do you have to find, like, a good parking spot? Yeah, I mean, it takes a little doing. You sort of get the hang of it. I mean, like, uh, suburban streets that don't seem to, like... I mean, basically, if you see a van parked for a night... You know, like, who cares? Yeah, it's totally normal. Yeah, I've got a friend. And then, uh, like, 24-hour grocery stores are always fine. Like, you know, gas stations, whatever, rest areas. Like, Do you ever get hassled? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of cops, like, check in, you know, and, like, make sure the car is not stolen. Or, like, wake up and see a cop behind you, like, running your plates, but then they just peace out when they see it's not stolen. Things like that. Do you ever have a cop go, dude, I'm a big fan. Can you... Uh, uh, actually, actually, yeah, actually, I have. But uh, only in, like, a little climbing town in Utah. A climbing but, um, town? There's yeah, a whole actually, town where everybody climbs? Well, no, no, but Moab. Do you know Moab? It's, like, a huge mountain biking area, but it's, like, the heart of I've climbing. I've heard the and, word, but I don't know Well, because it it's also from the Old Testament, if you've been reading a lot of, uh, you know, Old Testament. No, I mean, I've heard it as, a, like, an actual <laughs> yeah. geographic location. Yeah, like, I Moab thought it was actually like in California for some reason. No, it's, like, uh, way eastern Utah, like, right by the border with Colorado. It's really cool. It's the red sandstone desert where you see, like, arches and, like, really pretty, like, Oh, towers. those crazy things that are just carved because of the wind and the erosion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Duh, that is so bizarre. Yeah, it's that a really pretty landscape. You must see, like, some of the coolest spots in the world <laughs> when it comes to, you know, all these climbs. For sure, for sure. That's, like, that's what I'm saying. That Like, that is becoming more of the appeal for me, you know, just to go to these amazing places and climb, like, cool things. Yeah, for folks who've never seen, we don't know what we're talking about. The sound, somehow or another, the rock eroded to look, it looks like it was constructed. It yeah, it's like, like a freestanding arch. Yeah, you know? crazy arch made out of stone. It just yeah, shows cool. you 
all the the randomness of nature with the weird things that can occur. I mean, I I went on a North Face expedition to Chad in the dead center of Africa to climb <sighs> unclimbed sandstone towers and arches, like exactly what we're talking about in Utah, except it was in Chad. Wow. And we drove across blank empty desert like just completely flat sand with no road just driving gps for three days across like flat nothingness until we got to these crazy towers oh my god just desert driving through for three days through the desert is out of control holy shit we drove we drove for two days just flat nothingness you don't see anything in any direction how'd you have so much gas to drive that long i don't know we had this outfitter that's you know that's what he, he does. Brought gas with you. Yeah, brought he, extra yeah gas. I think I think he knew how to do it. You know, Jesus but, um, Christ, three the, days driving. Well, but driving at like twenty-seven miles an hour through the sand. Yeah, because you're driving across like it'd be like going to the Mojave Desert and just driving cross country completely straight for three days. Anyway, but so after two days, we randomly passed these two dudes on camels that were doing the same thing. What they were just questing across the desert on their camels. Randomly, we were, randomly, randomly. Well, I mean, I'm sure they were like going to trade or something. Yeah, we. But just, it was is there a path you were following? No, no. That's the thing is we were just we were following GPS coordinates across a, a virgin desert. You know, it was like it was kind of out of control. We were like, what the fuck are these guys doing out here? Wow. You know, and like, yeah. It was, who who were the guys? They're just like desert nomad dudes. You know, just like indigenous folks. I mean, they were just normal dudes on their normal life, but you're just like, it's hard to believe that that's their normal life, just like taking a camel for five days across a blank desert with no food or water. You yeah, know? it's hard to wrap your head like, around the fact that that's how people lived for a dude, long period Well, that's how of people time. still live. That's what's so crazy about going to Chad is like we were meeting, you know, people that live there that like in their entire life will probably never touch pavement or like asphalt. You know, they just live in sand and that's it for all of existence. They just <laughs> tend their goats, tend their, their little donkeys and stuff and... You know, you're just like, oh my god, it's pretty hardcore, and yeah. that and that's why like the travel experiences are becoming like more important to me than the actual climbing, sort of. Yeah, I would imagine but, that's uh, really that's, paradigm shifting. Yeah, it's pretty heavy stuff. You know, you're like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whoa, indeed, man. Th- three days driving on virgin desert. Nothing to the left, nothing to the right, nothing in front of you. Like just in the sand. morning, so we would drive until we got tired. We'd park, we'd do dinner, we'd go to bed. And then in the morning when you got to go take a poop, I mean, there's no cover in any direction because it's just flat. So you'd basically just walk in any direction until everyone else got really small. And then you would just take a poo and then you would just walk back. Because <laughs> there's no, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to go behind that tree. It's like you just have to walk till people are small. Did you take photos of this? Yeah, I mean, it's all, yeah, it's all professional. Poop? I didn't take photos so much, but. It must have been, not your poop, man. <laughs> I, I have photos of Brian Callen pooping when we were uh, camping in uh, Montana. <laughs> With a little flag in it, we were gonna put it on Twitter that uh, if you could find it, we'll give you a thousand bucks. It's on the Missouri River, and we were gonna give like rough coordinates. Take a picture of yourself by, we'll give you a thousand bucks. But you can't just leave poop there. You have to like put it in bio oh, yeah. bags. Yeah, you gotta and pack, you have it to out. pack it out. And human poop is really gross. Like if you run across like cows poop, there's a lot of cows out there. Cow poop is kind of gross too. It's kind of gross, but it doesn't even smell that bad. What? The difference between human shit and cow shit is pretty shocking. No, no. Cow shit also smells horrible yeah. until it's been sitting there for like a year and it's all baked by the sun. That too. Like what you're talking about is like fried cow pies that are all dead and like sterilized. You know? Yeah, but I've been around but, a, an actual cow taking a shit and it can't fuck with a human. I don't know, but Rotten well, it depends, well, it depends, on, the, depends on the human's diet. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, just shitting out cheeseburgers and whiskey. <laughs> what that's, that, yeah, just goes to show you guys need to work on your diet a little bit. <laughs> that's not me. I'm oh, just yeah. saying. Some yeah. other dude. I'm, some random dude just shit and we're grading it. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, you can't just leave your shit out there in the, the Missouri. Yeah. But you can in the desert. 
Fuck yeah. it, you can in the do desert. You, do you, did you encounter any animals while you were doing this? Yeah, we saw drive? yeah we saw tons of little things like little desert foxes and stuff, and really? um, yeah, like gazelle type. Uh, I don't know, you know, different antelopes. And what are they uh, eating out there? Like tiny little shrubs. I mean, there were like you know there'd be a bush every six hundred yards. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there is some vegetation, but it's just like flat sand with like a shrub. And then like a mile later, you're like, there's a little tiny tree, you know, and then whatever. No snakes, nothing like that? Uh, not really, no. What a strange ecosystem that is. Well, so when we got to where we were going, there were these amazing sandstone towers. And then there was like more weather. There was more going on, I think, because of this, the cliffs and stuff. So maybe it traps more moisture or whatever. So, And there were more people living there because there was more vegetation. Um you but know, it was I mean, still pretty much desert. Yeah, I mean, it's still a full-fledged desert, but there were at least, like, shrubs. Kind of like the American desert where you see, you know, like, the Mojave. And how do they get their water? They had wells every once in a while. I mean, I, I assume... I mean, there was water running underground, I guess, because you could see, like, bands of vegetation that were supposedly, like, washes, you know, like an underground river. So one of the real mind fucks about the, uh, the topography of this world is how it's variable. and like, Yeah, how different different parts of the world are. Not just variable, but variable in the same location over time. Like mm. uh, Egypt, like where the Nile Valley was like 9,000 years ago, that was a rainforest. Yeah, that's, that's the exact same type of area that I'm talking about. Mm. So, um, and well, actually, so no, while we were there, it was rad. We went into a cave and there were cave paintings. And, oh. um, and I mean, it's all just, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. Wow. And so you could see these stick figure drawings and, uh, and it showed like, these big herder people, you know, like drawings of dudes like tending their their big uh, cows, and then them being displaced by the camel people, like the people of the desert and all that. And um, and our outfitter was telling us that, that was kind of showing the history of the whole area because like as the as the desert advanced and like the grasslands and forests, you know, receded. Like so, Chad now all the all the big cow people now live in like southern southern Chad where there's still like vegetation and the rest of the country is just desert. You know, as the Sahara or whatever the Sahel has like moved south and. You know, desertification, all that kind of stuff. It's a really strange but, thing that happens to the climate. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting though to see like cave paintings of like this whole process of you know like different populations being, you know, replaced. How old are these of, paintings? Do they know? Well, I mean, yeah, I think that the climate events are over the last like ten thousand years or whatever. Wow. I mean, or maybe even older. Wow. But it was pretty. I mean, it was neat stuff for us. We were like, whoa. Yeah. You know, just to. It's really, the cave paintings really freak me out. Have you ever seen that uh, Herzog documentary on, uh, what is it called, uh, Cave of Dreams or something like that? Hold on, let me, let me find that for the folks who are listening, because it's uh, really interesting. They, they found some really old uh, cave paintings that predated what the, like, the most, the, the oldest before that by like a pretty substantial mm-hmm. amount. Find it real quick. Uh, yeah, Cave of Forgotten Dreams. That's what it's called. It's amazing. Where? Uh, it's in France. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's the oldest recorded cave paintings. Is it human or Neanderthal? Uh, it's human. I don't believe there's Neanderthal cave paintings. Oh yeah. I think we know that they made tools. And have you heard of this crazy bitch? This this there's a guy who wants to bring back Neanderthals. Oh, I just I just saw some woman. news thing about that. Yeah, yeah, but, totally. I was like, that seems like a opening a bag of worms for sure. Yeah, but they're gonna they're asking for a it's some Harvard guy, right? Neanderthal baby. It's uh, some guy is asking a woman to um to yeah, carry, to carry, carry a fucking Neanderthal baby. Um, I have no idea why anyone is letting this guy say this. <laughs> well. 
because nothing wrong with saying it. it sounds, only a problem with doing it. It sounds <laughs> fucking crazy. But this guy's his name is George Church, and he's from Harvard. This is legit. This is not like some you know. It's uh, like Jurassic Daily Park, Mail. but for babies. Yeah, well, the, the the really scary thing is that we don't even we don't know shit about Neanderthals. We we have no. They're they're built more like gorillas than they are people, and their brains no, are no, bigger than still. us. Well, they're built more like gorillas than they are people. Five foot tall, 200 pounds, really thick bones, big heads, bigger heads than human beings, much larger brain. It's a, it's a really trippy thing. The idea that this crazy fuck wants to bring these things back and that the fact that you could do it inside of a woman's body, it's pretty ridiculous. Crazy asshole. But um, So, no, I don't believe that this uh, Werner Herzog thing was that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was a... Um, it's all uh, it's all Homo sapiens. I hope mm. the first one's a female. The <clears throat> the first baby, yeah, Ew. yeah, better <laughs> better because if it's a man, it's just going to start raping. Yeah, it's going to go on a rape rape and cannibal rampage when it gets to full grown. <laughs> you know, who knows? We don't know the behavior of uh, Neanderthals. There's been a lot of speculation that Neanderthals preyed on humans. They, they might take boobs to the next level. Well, Neanderthals preying on humans obviously didn't prey enough because they got wiped out by humans. Well, that might have been why we wiped them out. You know, we were just a little bit smarter. There's there's a lot of speculation as to what happened to them. Um, there's also a debate as to whether or not they interbred with us or whether or not we have a common ancestor, like where, where our genetic material... Where well, we definitely where, have a common ancestor now. Yeah, we definitely have a common ancestor, but in, in, uh, common enough that we have Neanderthal genes in us. Mm. You know, because they don't know if it's from breeding. There's like, it's like kind of a, an mm. iffy area they're trying to piece together now, whether or not it's from humans breeding with it. But interesting enough, the po- the possibility of humans breeding with it was only Neanderthal males and human females. Why? I don't know. I think it's a scientific reason for the, the, the hybrid to be able to... It's kind of weird because it seems like uh, you'd want the Neanderthal woman to be able to carry, like, the bigger baby. Yeah, you know I, I think... Mean? Because, like, a... A homo sapien woman get torn apart by. I think they're just saying it was rape. I think that's Uh, what they're saying. I think they're saying it was uh, you know a conquer thing because there's Hmm. also speculation as to whether or not Neanderthals ate Homo sapiens. Hmm. That's the weirdest thing that I've been aware of recently that I didn't know about was how often Native Americans cannibalized. Yeah, Mm -hmm. ate each other. Well, in Papua New Guinea, are still into that kind of thing. Are they really? Yeah, they're still into cannibalism. Sort of. They're also into a lot of other freaky shit. Like they're into having the young boys ingest their semen. There's uh there's the semen tribes of uh I think New a Guinea. lot of people in the States are still into that too though, you know. <laughs> they're called uh, Catholic priests. <laughs> you know. This is uh very different though. This is like ritualized and open. Whereas the Catholic priest thing is uh is uh in the in the uh confession booth. Yeah, it's a little more scary. A little more sketch. Huh. So these um, these uh, paintings in the Werner Herzog documentary, amazing stuff. And they're cave bears, lions, horses, bison, mammoths, rhinoceroses, and there are other animals between thirty and 32,000-year-old <coughs> drawings. It's really amazing, man. Just think we managed to wipe out all those different animals <laughs> in the last 30,000 years. Well, they don't believe that people had uh, a play in wiping out the woolly mammoth. There's, there's, there's thoughts about it, but one of the more interesting thoughts about the mammoth is the, the mammoth extinction coincides with what they pr- are pretty sure now was significant meteor, meteor impacts, meteor showers, mm-hmm. somewhere around 12,000, 13,000 years ago. When they do the strata, when they, they take soil samples, they found this uh, thing called, uh, it's like a, a volcanic glass, an impact glass, this big 
thick, it's like this green looking glass that has come from either nuclear tests or meteor impacts. Hmm. So when they find it all over the world, like 12,000 years ago, and that sort of coincides with some mass extinctions, a lot of the scientists are starting to speculate that that might have been what wiped out a lot of things, including a lot of like major civilizations. Hmm. That the world just got bombarded by meteors at one point in time, about somewhere around 12,000 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy stuff. So they they think that might have had a part in the saber toothed tiger and uh, woolly mammoth, and that uh, some animals just weren't be able to make. That was another animal they're trying to bring back. They're trying to bring back a woolly mammoth. Uh, the Russian scientists are trying to do that. Hmm. They need bigger carpets. What what the fuck is with people wanting to bring things back? Like you know enough already. How about someone make an alien? You know why is everybody bringing old shit back? You know they probably are doing that. They're just not telling us. Maybe. Now you're out there camping. You ever see something freaky? Ever hear a Bigfoot? Ever see a UFO? No. Nothing. I don't really do the weird stuff. <laughs> you don't really do the weird stuff. Yeah, you? I'm like not into all the like weird random stuff like that. I'm a very practical kind of guy. You're very practical, crazy mountain climber dude. Yeah, very rational. Rational. Well, you know, by um, by UFOs being irrational and uh, saying just because you haven't seen something that's irrational. Would you would you freak out if you're out there camping and all of a sudden... If an alien landed? A UFO flew overhead? Probably wouldn't freak out, no. But I'd be like, that is badass. Do you think you'd still you know? keep climbing or would you like change your start field of subject and start trying to... Trying to well, it depends if aliens. I got to chat with the alien or not, you know? <laughs> I mean, if... Yeah, that's a good question, actually. I mean, it, for sure, if I had some kind of crazy experience like that where I was like, I am 100% certain there are life on other planets, like, I probably would change my field a bit. Because all of a sudden, I'd be like, there's definitely something, like, more important going on in the world. The real problem you know? with um, the, of course, with the idea that there's some life from another planet that's visiting us is, like, where the fuck's the evidence? That's the that's, real problem. That's what I'm saying about rational. That's However... Why, you know? If they're much more sophisticated than us to the point where they can travel from other planets, it seems like they could be undetectable. That's the same kind of arguments for, you know, whether there's a god or not. It's like whatever. Not really, because the the actual fact of human life and the fact that we have technological superiority over all the animals, when you look at all the other planets and you extrapolate the amount of time that they could have existed, it's highly possible. Yeah, no, I, I think it's highly likely that there is life in the universe i mean actually i think i'm sure there's you just life don't think they're in the, rest of the universe yeah i just don't think they're like messing around here do you, you know? see, but I, I see that and i be, i agree with you to a certain extent but then i see the fact that there's so many fucking planets and we are constantly trying to explore these planets we're sending things to mars we're we're looking with satellites and when with telescopes and trying to observe yeah, but they're really and, really far apart too mm-hmm Right. You know. My point is, if we're constantly exploring the universe as far as we can with our limited technological capability in 2013, mm-hmm. maybe that's just an aspect of intelligent life, period, that intelligent life constantly explores its dimensions and But maybe it's not, you know? Like, maybe other really intelligent life explore spiritually or they go inward. They just, you know... That's a good point. Or both. Yeah, I mean, who you know, knows? I just feel like... But. Part of intelligence is being curious. Part of being curious is wondering if you're alone. Yeah. Part of being curious and wondering if you're alone is looking. Yeah. So if I was a smart, curious, intelligent thing from another planet, I think I'd go check out the space, well, the universe. Hopefully, when the aliens come, they'll meet you. They're, they're, they're going to come like, to you, dude. You're going to be out there camping. And they're going to go, how come you're not shitting your pants while you're climbing up that thing? What are you doing up here? <laughs> yeah. Sleeping on a ledge. 
50,000 feet above the earth. <laughs> 50,000. That's a big mountain. What's the biggest one you've ever climbed? How, what's the, the biggest face? The biggest face is like 3,000 feet probably. Is that Capitan in Yosemite. In Yosemite? Yeah, I think so. And what's the legality for that stuff? Do it's they, all totally fine. Nobody hassles you about climbing these things? Yeah, it's a national park. I mean, it's just, you know, recreation use group, whatever. You just go climb. Has <sighs> there ever been any talk of regulating it or keeping people from not really. solo climbing or anything like that? No, no, no. Definitely not. I mean, how would you regulate it? I mean, you know, then you might as well be regulating, like, fat people hiking, you know, because they're more likely to have a heart attack or whatever. Well, that's the good point, though. The good point is so um, fat people personal, should be hiking. personal so. freedom. Well, they definitely should be. Someone should talk them into it, though. Yeah, I don't exactly. think they should put a gun to their head. Um, the personal freedom aspect of it. I mean, I'm a big believer and a big supporter of personal freedom. And this is, I mean, it's one of the few that a very few people are exercising, but is uh, really a, a radically dangerous pursuit for the average person. For you, maybe not. You know, you shake mm-hmm. your head because... A, you're competent. B, you're aware. And C, it's something you love to do and you've been doing it your whole mm-hmm. life. You have a massive amount of experience yeah. for it. But for the average person to try to do it, it could be – I mean, if everybody had to free solo climb, just stop well, and think about yeah, that. Yeah, it would be a disaster. The whole world. It would be a fucking but raining if, people. But if everybody put like 17 years of work into learning how, then I mean, you know, it would probably be like – there would be no okay. TVs, there would be no cell phones, yeah. there would be no cars. If everybody did that, no one would get anything done because they'd be just consistently focusing on not falling yeah, and yeah. climbing. Um, but it's an interesting personal freedom uh, issue. It's like w- there's certain things that we're restricted from doing in this country, in this world, and we're restricted from taking a certain amount of chances. But that one is just still completely out there in the wild. Yeah. It's one that I think... Well, like going hiking, uh, any kind of outdoor recreation is pretty pretty unrestricted in the U.S. I mean, mm-hmm. you're allowed to just yeah. wander into the woods and like go have an adventure. I know, but I mean, the nanny state government that we have, I'm surprised that someone doesn't like, hey, you can't climb. Um, no, no, get down from there, son. You know, because that's sort of the attitude. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. No one ever gets in trouble at all for climbing anything as long as it's not a public building or something like that. Yeah, I don't think so, un- unless it's on private property, in which case the landowner gets to choose, you know. Oh, wow. So all public property, like public land, well, oh, actually, public... So, uh, so national parks do have some kind of like recreational management plan. So I mean, you're not allowed to like drill bolts or like change the rock in different ways because when you climb, you often like put bolts for protection. You know, some like people have bolts in there. Yeah, for if you're climbing up a blank face, like, like big, say your brick like wall or eye something. Eye hook, a giant eye hook or something. Well, like that. I mean, it's small, in. yeah, but it's small enough that you can clip your carabiner into it and then clip your rope into the beaner. But um, so I mean, most national parks have some kind of plan, you know, limiting, uh, you know, bolting and things like that. Or, you know, they have some kind of, like, management use thing. But for the most part, you can just go climb whatever you want. Do you have any other crazy hobbies? Uh, no. This is it. This is just this fulfills all of your time. This well, traveling. Yeah, and I mean, I read and I travel and I, you know, do stuff. Yeah. It's and a fascinating life, man. I, I mean, I know it's yours, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty I mean, normal, you know. It's not pretty normal. It's pretty normal to you. Well, yeah. But yeah. I'm, but I matter the most to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would like, imagine to, me, so. to me it's super normal. I like, I think it's cool. Well, it is like, very cool. It's very cool. It's very interesting. I mean, your your approach to this whole thing is very unique. You're a very unique mm-hmm. person, and that's why um, you uh, are fascinating to people. Oh. And I, I think it's it's very charming that you have this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've said yeah. that like ten times. The more yeah. I, I yeah. talk to you about how unique you are, I compliment you. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's your take on things, but that is also why you're so good, and you you. Um, um, that's why it's so compatible, you know, with you, with you, your personality, like how you, how you roll with things. That's a probably 
must somehow or another contribute to your ability to be so good at this or your passion and desire, the way it fits in, your 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 square hole for your square peg, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think I just, I've always loved it, and I'm, and I, I mean, I put a lot of work into it, and I figure anybody that, like, loves what they do and works hard at it is probably going to get pretty good at it. Do you have any goals? Are there certain mountains that you have not climbed Yeah, that you for want sure. To? I got yeah. all kinds of, I have a lot of, like, travel goals, like places I want to go climbing, and then I have actual, like, climbing achievement goals you know things that i want to climb or new things to do or whatever what's what's a big one it's one i don't know they're all they're on the dl you know oh you can't uh, tell people no no i mean okay you don't want well, to talk tr- about it no well so i actually don't really set like specific soloing goals because i don't really like the pre because normally when you set a goal you go through the whole process of like you set the goal you train for it you achieve it whatever you know you make it happen but the thing with soloing is i don't really like that pressure i don't want to feel like i have to go solo something so n- Generally, I set climbing goals like routes I want to climb with a rope or, you know, places I want to go. But for soloing, it's more like a soloing fantasy, you know, like something I'd love to do. And I'll sort of keep it in the back of my mind, like what kind of shape I'd have to be in to do it or like, you know, what time of year I'd have to be in what kind of shape. But um, but it's never like that's my goal for the season. It's more like if it happens, it'd be sweet. If not, you know, whatever. Why has no one come up with a television show that follows you climbing up mountains and 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 broadcast. I mean, it. people have talked about it, but uh, the thing is, after they, after anybody chats with me for a while, they're like, "Turns out that guy's actually really boring." I don't think you're you boring know? at all, man. Yeah, I, you know. I, I don't think you're boring at all. I think you're fascinating. No, you're mellow. You, you're confusing yeah, mellow much, with boring. Mellow. You're very interesting. There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing boring about you. You have a very distinct personality, a very distinct way of looking at this very odd life that you have. That's very compatible <laughs> for what you do. It's yeah. not boring. Um, what you do is not even remotely fucking boring. It's hair raising. It makes people shit well, their pants. My hands sweat watching your but videos. This is what I was talking about. You know, Super Bowl versus training. You know what I mean? Like you're saying, the Super Bowl stuff looks amazing. You mm-hmm. know, like the big solos. You're like, that's rad. But what you, you did just... on 60 Minutes, you said wasn't even that big. Well, no, I mean, but still, I only do that kind of thing a handful of times a year. You know, the majority of the year, I'm just going out climbing with my friends and just normal climbing. You know, the same thing that people are doing in the gym, except we're doing Dude, it outside. They have shows, okay, where guys. I don't even want to have know how dumb shows shops. they have. Like, I don't give a shit they about have bad pawn TV. shops. And they come yeah. in and they go, hey, man, how much you want to give me for this banjo? I have no interest in And the guy's in like, I'll give you that. 200. Man, I need 250. I can't go 250. I'll give you a 225. That's the fucking show. They're selling that banjos. Kinda, that kind of shit makes the world worse, and I don't want to contribute to that. You would not be contributing it to it, my friend. What I'm saying yeah. is that there's people are fascinated by shit that's not even close to as interesting as you or what you're doing. I yeah. really think it would be an amazing show. I, I think you're dead wrong. I don't think I mean, you'd be there's, contributing. There's been talk. Like, I, doubt, I doubt that there will be a show, but I think there probably will be some Why TV wouldn't there be a show? Stuff. Someone needs to fucking step well, up. Well, honestly, there's not much content, you know? Like, because, well, what, if you do, like, ten episodes or something and you have to solo something big for each one? You like, I don't want to fucking have not watched die, you know? Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Dude, I, and this I'm is, glad I haven't. This is the idea. This is my idea. You ready for this? Okay. We, we make it a Death Squad production, and what we're going to do is we're going to bring you with Brian... In between all of your climbing, you're going to hang out with Brian and all of his porn star friends. And, Does he have uh, porn star friends? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He dates porn stars. And oh, yeah? Kids a mess. What oh, I can hear DC do some ways. girls. They would like you. <laughs> really? They would. Yeah. They would, they would molest you. climb up and down them. Yeah. What the <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> throw some shit on a rock. Yeah, look, you, you, you piqued his interest. He's like, Whoa, what kind of girls? I want to meet porn stars. Do you want to meet them? Well, you know. Well, listen. Should have came to Vegas last week. We can make this happen. That's an easy thing to make happen. 
I'm not kidding. Huh. That's a really easy thing to make happen. Yeah. You want to go hang out with him? Where, how long in town for? Well, I was going to, from this parking lot, I was going to drive to Vegas. but Maybe you drive to hang out with Brian at Burbank. And you all go to Olive Garden <laughs> with a bunch of skanks. <laughs> Bring seven of them. Wow. And by skanks, I say that lovingly just because it was the funny thing to say. Ladies, don't be hating. Do what you got to do. Uh, yeah, he can introduce you to that. Huh. that. See, so that world to you is like, holy shit. Yeah, that smoke. seems exotic. You, you like, your eyebrows yeah. went up in the air. Yeah. It changed the entire tone. Yeah. See, that's how the show gets exciting. We bring you with him in between uh, solo climbs. To hang then, out with, with yeah. uh, porn stars. Exactly. We, we like spice it up. Yeah. Listen, you're, you're a mellow guy. This would be a new, unique Good sort way to of experience. Push, push my boundaries and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Sure. It's yeah. like going to Chile or taking a fucking car and driving across the, de- the desert for three days. It's yeah. Basically. We're going to Chad. Anywhere, wherever you went. Yeah. What Chad. I'm saying is it's unique. You know, yeah, yeah. Unique going to sort of, Chile, you could drive uh, across in about... Four hours. Could you really? Chili's like this narrow. Oh, is it really? I didn't know. Yeah. I'm geographically limited. Have you, ever, have you ever climbed in Japan? I have not, but my family lived there for a while, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. But Your family lived in Japan? Were yeah, they ninjas? I was, I, was, I was conceived in Japan. They were not ninjas, but I wish they were. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so much cooler. <laughs> yeah. what, did, what did your parents do? Uh, they were At the time, they were teaching English, and then they both were like college professors, you know, teaching language. Oh, wow. My mom's a French teacher. Wow. Yeah. So how many different countries have you been to climbing? I don't know, like 20, 30. Wow. No, I don't know. Dude, you live a fascinating life. I, I, I think it's, 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 you're, uh, you're a really unique guy, and I love the fact that you don't think you are. It's, uh, you know, well, your humility is normal when it's just you, you know. I understand. That's why Brian hangs out with these porn stars. Yeah, and you were like, hey, what? Him. Yeah, exactly. It's a perfect example. <laughs> exactly. I can take you to the UFC next weekend. Are you going to oh, be exactly. in Vegas next weekend? Uh, no, you gonna I'm be in Vegas? No, I'm flying to Mexico on Thursday. Oh, dude, C- cancel that shit. Listen, uh, you want to see a crazy experience? I'll take you to the UFC. I'll get you front row seats for one of the best UFCs ever. Dude, this is happening this weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This Saturday night at Mandalay Bay, Frankie Edgar's fighting Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo's this guy from Brazil. He's one of the top pound for pound fighters on the planet. So is Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar was a lightweight champion. He's dropping down to 145 to fight this guy in a super fight. It's going to be fucking craziness. People are flying in from Brazil. They're flying in from the East Hmm. Coast. This guy's from New Jersey. It's two amazing fighters. And that's just one fight. Alistair Overeem, who's one of the biggest guys in the heavyweight division, 265 pounds, looks like a fucking superhero from a comic book, and he's fighting this guy Antonio Bigfoot Silva, who has to cut weight to make 265 pounds. They're both giants, and and Alistair is a former K1 Grand Prix champion, like kickboxing. K1 Grand Prix is like the craziest kickboxing event in the world. So he's this Mm. destroyer. This guy who just this stand up story. Ogre who can kick through a wall. He's a monster. He, he, look, Dude. pull up a picture of Alistair Overeem because if you haven't seen, just seeing this guy alone, he's just, you know, such a freak specimen of, of humanity. Six foot five, two hundred sixty five pounds, and literally doesn't even Jesus. look real. And Antonio Bigfoot Silva is uh, like a literal giant. He actually is a giant. And how, you know, how big is he? Well, he's look at that. That's Overeem. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? And there's Joe in the background. That's me. Checking out his that's my gig. Wait, that's you in the background? That's me. Yeah, I love I'm, I'm fi- a commentator for the Ultimate Fighting Show. Joe, you need to make more crazy you didn't faces know that. during this shit. Yeah, I do. Um, when I don't do this or do stand-up comedy, I'm a commentator for cage fighting. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So you're back there being like, this guy is fucking yoked. He's about to <laughs> smash that guy's no, head. I'm, I'm, I'm announcing his official weigh-in. I'm, ina- I'm introducing him. Oh. The former K1 Grand Prix champion. So you're like, this guy is heavyweight officially champion. yoked. 
Well, I don't say that. I, w- oh. I call out the weight. See, every fighter has Wait, to that's be all you introdu- do? No, no, I do. Oh, okay. I, I was like, how hard is that? We fucking loser. Like, yeah, I was like 265. <laughs> no, like, I can say 265. That's one day. Yeah, and okay. then the next day, I'm the commentator. What I do is I explain the nuances of, you know, what's Being dangerous. Being like he is choking that guy to death. No, like what he has to look out for, what, uh-huh. what's going to happen if He's he doesn't do that, what's going to happen. You know, that's me at the Wayans. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> it's a, a, a fan made video. People got silly because they took that one picture and they photoshopped it. You know about Photoshop, right? You know I've heard that of that. Is? Yeah, I've yeah, heard out, that, there yeah. The, out there in the woods. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm a so backward, you know. It's if you can make it, it would be a trip. It will freak you out. It's huh. gonna be, you know, fifteen, sixteen thousand people, completely sold out Mandalay Bay Event Center. It's gonna be nuts. It's kind of badass. It's a wild thing to see live. It is a wild because you're gonna see. The best martial artists on the face of the planet, without a doubt. I mean, there's a few other guys that mm. won't be competing this Saturday night that are also the best. But the yeah, examples of of excellence that you're going to get there between Overeem and Aldo and Edgar, just those guys, and Bigfoot mm. Silva, and there's a guy named Damian Maya from Brazil who's the baddest fucking jiu-jitsu guy on the planet in MMA, mm. and he's fighting this guy, John Fitch, who's this badass American wrestler, and oh! It's going to be fucking... So your site. Oh, my God. So are you commentating for oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. My, that's my other well, yeah, job. That's your it's real one job. one of my jobs. I keep a yeah. bunch of jobs. I'm like a Jamaican. Huh. I, I try to keep like You're three a hustler. or four jobs. Yeah, well, I, I mind. Luck, but these are all things that I'm drawn to, just yeah, much yeah, yeah. like your, your thing yeah. with the mountain climbing. It, it probably seems unreal to you. That's what I'm saying. Like It would be another paradigm-shifting moment yeah, for totally, you to totally. be at the UFC. To, to see how fucking crazy it could be. If you can stay, could, please could, do. Could I actually get in? Fuck I mean, yeah. I F- dude, I'll get you in front row. Really? I will get you front row. I feel like it's UFC. a life experience. Maybe I will I make sure that you are. I will have you sit behind me. I will give you a seat right behind me for the UFC. You will be right there. The cage, you could step forward and touch it with your hand if you want oh, to. Oh, shit. Yeah. It would be the nuttiest fucking thing you've ever hurt, seen in your life. I don't like seeing Fuck people get hurt. Yeah, they're going like to get hurt. Uh, Listen, yeah, this is, like this is their, no. that's their job. <laughs> their huh. job what? is to try to hurt the other guy, and the other guy tries to hurt them. But huh. it's very scientific. It's very technical. I, f- I what feel it like is, it would is, be a good experience, though. It's a great experience. It's kind of badass. What it is, is is human competition, and it's you know, one-on-one competition, in its most difficult form. You're, you're using your body to try to submit and stop another person who's also using their body. And that's all you have. You have pads over your knuckles and your wits and your techniques and your conditioning and your training and mm-hmm. go and your ability to overcome the pressure of the moment and yeah. all those things it's gonna be fucking crazy dude i might i might, I might just you should go because i mean i'm just going to mexico to go climb like, if you go we'll fly in brian and he'll did. fly in a couple of gals with loose morals and uh you'll have yourself a party dude. do you have anything going on this weekend brian you want to go sure it's on! <laughs> we just made a party! We just brought in Brian, and you'll sit... How about you sit next to him at the UFC? With a bunch of porn stars? He'll be, give you booze, and they'll tell you mm. where to get the good ecstasy. <laughs> we might Sweet. We, we might ruin your climbing career, but trust me, you're going to have a memorable weekend. If no, you, we if you can your climbing get career. me a sex scandal, I'll be super psyched. He could know, definitely yeah. get you a sex scandal. All I have to do is fuck him, and we'll fuck Oh, I could do it, yeah. And that would be That's a sex scandal. Well, with all these cameras in here, we could just do it right here. We yeah. could do it it's right here. Just clear off these salt lamps and put the deer antlers we'll away. We'll go climb the Luxor. Yeah, you could go. Oh, yeah. yeah, you could climb the pyramid. That's really low angle. That seems kind of fruity. Pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I did on Fear Factor where they climbed the Luxor. No, they actually s- slid down s- it. Slid down the. Yeah, Luxor. I think like a toboggan ride. Right? Yeah, that yeah, seems yeah, yeah. Dangerous. Um, it probably was. There was quite a few things they did on Fear Factor that were dangerous. Did um, you have a call in deciding what they did? No, I did not. You uh, just commentated was, or whatever. There was two times where I would have said no. One mm-hmm. time where they had to ride bulls. 
I definitely was not into this. It was ridiculous. Because you thought they could actually get killed? Yes, they could have. Yeah. We had two different stunt coordinators. There's this one guy from the beginning who was like, you know, they're badass dudes. You know how you're looking at, like, climbing? Yeah, and yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, oh, that'll nothing. be fine. Yeah. yeah. So his, this guy had been a stuntman his whole life. His name was Perry. Great guy. And his attitude was like, yeah, I would do it. I'll fucking do it. You know, it's like if his idea was that yeah. they want to be on TV, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. should do it too. But uh, I'm cool with a lot of that until it gets to animals. Animals are very unpredictable. And th- this thing was they were going to ride these. I mean, these bulls were fucking enormous. I don't know if you've ever been like right next to a, a riding bull before, but I was standing on the like sort of there's like a platform next to mm-hmm. where the cage is, and I'm looking down at the bull, and I'm like, no fucking way. There's no way I would get on that thing. They're thousands of pounds, and they're just bucking in there, and you see his muscles. And I go, How long do they have to ride the bull? They don't get to ride the bull very long, because the bull <laughs> yeah. fucking sends them into orbit within like three seconds. A, a good so rodeo guy tries to get to eight seconds. Oh, yeah, okay. It's not like, you know, there's a guy who can just do it all day long, like you can climb all day long. No, yeah, one, yeah. no one can do that. Yeah. There's no one who's ever lived who rides a bull until the bull's tired. It doesn't happen. You mm. go flying. So it's a matter of how long does it take before you fail? That's mm. all it is. It's like mm. try to succeed for as long as possible, but you can't win. And then does the, what keeps the bull from crushing you? That's Run. a good question. They have rodeo clowns. They have a bunch of different people that distract the bull. But my beef was the guy was like, well, these here are training clowns, or these are, these are training bulls. <laughs> I go, what do you, does that mean? He goes, well, they're not as aggressive. I'm like, does that bull know he's a fucking training bull? He doesn't know he's a training bull. It's a bull. So you're basing it on how he's thrown people off him in the past, mm-hmm. how he's going to throw these people off. It's just some sort of a random calculation they make in their cowboy mind. And so we put these people on it, and they got launched. Did they? <laughs> launched. It was really scary. One girl, it was really scary because she only weighed like 90-something pounds. And she just, I mean, it, the bull, like, for one second she was on this bull. And then she was literally flying through the air, and the bull's kicking, and the bull's foot just went whoosh, right past her face. And I was like, okay, if that bull kicked her face, it would crush every bone in her face, even though she has a helmet on. It would still probably crush her helmet. Jeez. This is ridiculous, and I, I think on that. So, like, who approved that shit? NBC, right. uh, <laughs> everybody that produced the show. Uh, I think on that occasion, they essentially rolled the dice. No one got hurt. Everyone was fine. But I think it was a lot of luck. Yeah. And then the other time was the Donkey Kong. That was the other time where I said, this is, this is crazy. You shouldn't do this. I said, people don't want to eat cum, okay? You can't just serve people cum. Hey, 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 hey. I'm like, you're crossing some sort of, hey, yourself. hey, hey, you're putting out propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's funny you say that, like what you were talking about earlier with the reality TV climbing stuff, people want to follow me. So I actually saw like a pitch for a, a climbing reality TV thing. Where they were going Put to, that uh, down, son. Put that down. <laughs> what, what he bought that? me this photo. He went to some AVN awards. He goes, I brought you a present. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. And he br- brings it's this photo of guys with giant cocks in their tight jeans. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> anyway, but, so I saw this. Up this on the wall, I saw a fucking... pitch for this climbing show where they were like, we're going to. It was supposed to be Survivor meets, uh, meets Ultimate Fighter or something like that, but yeah. in climbing sense. And so, like, it was going to take non-climbers and, and then professional climbers, and then we'd teach them to solo, and then we'd solo big walls, and it was this whole Whoa. progression. And I was like, how are you ever going to have a show where you take non-climbers and you solo walls with them, you know? It's like, you can't, like, People the liability is, you know, you're like, dude, that's retarded. It you is know, retarded. Like, and because, also, I actually, I wrote back the scathing thing, because they asked me for a casting call type deal. Can I mean, you take I, your email, forward it to me, and I'll I'm put it online? I'm sure I could. Please do. 
We I, do that? We do that? I can't look for it, yeah. <laughs> well, no, because I was like... People would want to see it. Well, I was like, what the heck? You know, I was like, you might as well just have gladiators, like, butchering each other on TV, because you're basically just going to be watching Carnage, you know? Like, I mean, because people will actually die. You yeah, know? And, no like, question. That's kind of messed up. Yeah. And... You know, I was like, well, that's, nobody wants to see someone actually die, you know? It's so like, funny that you say that, but yet this is what you do every day. You're like, people will actually die, but you do that. And you well, know that you won't. because I 17 years preparing right. for it, you know? How much time would they need to be conditioned before they could do anything? Would it well, it depends year, how easy it was. I mean, if it was something ultra easy, I would just take any relatively fit person, take them out with a lot of supervision. And, you know, if it's like a really easy solo. Would you have a bunch of dudes at the bottom holding a sheet by each corner? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, like, you know... Like, my ex-girlfriend, I mean, I took her up a, cu- a handful of really, really easy. This is kind of like extreme hiking, you know? Right. But, like, you know, I'd be soloing right next to her. She's, you know, taking her time, and you're kind of, like, talking her through it. And you're like, oh, you're good, you're good. You know, so, I mean, like, really fit, like, normal person. you get to the you top could, and give her some of that. <laughs> you know, something like that. That's how to but do like, it, son. Yeah. You're all freaked out, full of adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, exactly. I bet that's a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. Did you have to choose her or the mountain? Like, did you have to get in that situation? <laughs> it's either me or the mountain. Is that oh, what guess, that kind of shit. <laughs> oh, Listen, uh, that's important. That's actually, a good well, question. No, honestly, Thank you, Brian. Honestly, that was actually kind of, that's, yeah, that's about it. Did that yeah. happen before? Was there ever a girl who was like, I can't do this? Well, she wasn't fun. like me or the mountain. But yeah, I mean, those are basically the issues. The, like, you're way too much. You're not, like, involved enough, whatever. Yeah. <sighs> It's always that way. It's always chicks. They want you. They're greedy. Yeah. Once you give them some good dick, they want you all the time. I don't know if that was my problem. It wasn't a problem? (laughs) Probably not. You (laughs) (laughs) You know, but You were doing your best, though? I was trying super hard. I'm sure you tried (laughs) super hard. Thanks for being honest with us, man. (laughs) Listen, Kat, dude, you're a fascinating guy. I think think what you're doing is really uh, very unusual, and I'm, I'm, I'm always glad when I meet someone who's doing something completely different. You know, that different than me. Or I mean, it's one of the coolest things about this podcast is that we can sit down with people that I mean, I probably would never meet you in real life. I mean, maybe we exchange emails, we have a little, yeah. but to be able to sit down face to face with you and have this yeah. sort of a conversation for whatever reason, it only exists because of a, a medium to display it. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting. I think it's um, it's just imp- important. I think for a human being to realize that there's a lot of different ways to be a person. So a lot of different people out there. You know, you probably would not be happy if you were a, a singer in a band. Oh, you know? my God. It'd be horrible. You know what I'm saying? Nobody like, else would be happy either. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, no. But you know but, what I'm saying? Like, some no, people, no, that's their dream. They're in front of the yeah. mirror with a hairbrush, you know? Don't it's it's stop funny you say that. Like, actually, I got invited to speak at my old high school to uh, to tell the kids. I was in, Don't like, climb rocks. No, I was in, like, this, like, gifted and talented type program where everybody goes and becomes a doctor or whatever. And, um... They invited me there to speak to tell the kids that they don't have to go to college, that if they want, they can just go and live their dream and do their thing and whatever. So it was actually super satisfying for me to go back to my old high school to be like, Where was this? Kids. Where was this high school? Maraloma, <laughs> uh, just like a high school in, in Sacramento. Wow. Just, you know, what a cool program. Yeah. I mean, well, it's the International Baccalaureate. It's kind of like AP program, but kind of like high-end, like, you know, academic program. So this but is so, um, <laughs> not specific to that area? This is a national program? Well, the program is national, but the one that is in that specific high school is, like, quite good, and they do really well nationally and everything. And so, and there's, you know, it's just where I went to high school. But So one of my old teachers asked me to come back and tell the kids that, like, you know, even though your parents are expecting you to become a doctor, like, you don't have to. Like, you can just follow your dream, travel the world, do what you love to do, that kind of thing. It was, like, it was very satisfying to go back and, like, have that talk, you know, after yeah. having gone through the program and been like, oh, I need to go to university. I got to get my degree. Yeah. You know, and be like, you know what? I mean, I mean, I think that's great, and I think, I, and I really value education, but, like, 
you know, sometimes you just got to do what you love to do. Yeah, I value education as well, but I completely agree with you. And I had the same issues uh, coming out of high school. I, I, I went to college just so that people didn't think I was a loser. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's really all I, I was competing in Taekwondo tournaments back then. There was yeah. obviously no money in that either, but that's all I wanted to do. And so I had to figure out some way to not be a loser. So I, I started going to college while I was doing it. All I was doing was fucking up my training, mm. just taking away time that I could be napping. Instead of time that I could be napping. Well, when you're training that hard, well, yeah, yeah, you know, when, you, when you're training for um, Taekwondo tournaments, especially, that's like I didn't party at all when I was in high school. I didn't, I didn't do any. I mean, I, a couple of times randomly, I had gotten drunk at a party like over my mm. entire high school career. Maybe smoked pot like twice or something like that. But for the most part, throughout high school, I was I was terrified that I was going to get killed in a tournament and smashed. So all I was doing was just like eating healthy and drinking water and you know trying yeah. to sleep as much as possible and and, and training like a demon. Hmm. So I went that feeling of like being out of high school. I'm like this is no, there's no future in this. I was like, what is this? What am I doing? Like this obsession doesn't go anywhere. It eventually worked out, though. That's the and, exactly. But the feeling that I had, that feeling of uncertainty, was um, it, it's. I think it's so important to let other people know that you had that same feeling. It's so important to do what you did and get in front of those kids and go, listen, nobody has a map of where the fuck you're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. You could go anywhere, and there's a lot of different ways to make a living. And if, and if you see someone who's doing something, whether they're an author or a painter or they're flying plane, whatever it is, if someone's doing it, you can do it too. It can be done. Or, or you can a, do your own nobody's thing. nobody's doing it, you know? Even yes. if no one's doing it, you can be like, that is what I want to do, and goddamn, I'm going to do it. As long as it's logical. Yeah. Unless someone needs to take you to a doctor and tell you you're fucking crazy. You yeah. can't actually fly. You know, well, you know, there's a little of that. Yeah. But, you know, all extreme examples aside, it's, I think it's so important to do that. It's yeah. so, so important to give kids. I mean, how many times in your life have you seen something that was uh, inspiring, that sort of like pushed you and that like give you like this, this feeling of confidence? Like, there's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that guy did that. God, this world is kind of nutty. There's a lot of different yeah, no, room for, sure, for, for crazy sure. shit. I think a guy like you is like a really important example of that. Yeah, maybe. What did it feel like to do that speech? Did you shit your pants when to you were the up kids? there? Did you no, get nervous? no, no. I mean, I'm talking to high school kids. Like, right. it's not. You can't be that nervous. You know, they're all like 16, all trying to get laid. <laughs> Except they're never going to because they're all like little. They're all nerds. Yeah, that's where Brian around. comes in. Mm-hmm. As long as they're willing to do this on film, we can get them all laid. <laughs> this, this is not a problem. I don't think that's really the school to recruit for a. For porn? No. See, you they're, say that. They got but sticky hands. They all want to get laid. Sticky so hands. I don't see what you're saying. As long as their penises and vaginas work, I think well, we've got a problem. There you go. And we could solve it. Hmm. Right, Brian? Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, that could be something that could derail uh, the career of an aspiring person, though. You get too much high end pussy at a young age. You, it's like l- winning the lottery, you know? Because if you won the lottery, you're like, why would I work? Why would I be inspired to go do things? Why yeah, yeah, totally. I have this free money. I'm going to play Xbox until I die. Yeah, like it can kill motivation. Yeah. I think that also can happen if you fuck above your head at a young age. Thankfully, yeah. I never had that problem. It's ruin you. <laughs> still extremely motivated. <laughs> <laughs> it can ruin you. Yeah. If you got a hold of some Tara Patrick type chick when you were 18 years old, <laughs> do you really think you can survive that? That girl would wreck you. That would be all you'd think about. You'd be on those climbing peaks, huh. and instead of thinking of your next foothold, you'd be thinking of her mouth on your on your penis, and then it could get really problematic. Yeah. You wouldn't be focused. You wouldn't keep your eyes on the prize. <laughs> the thrill of getting to the top, but somehow or another be dwarfed 
by the thrill of her mouth. By the thing, yeah, yeah, the, the memory of the thrill of the knowledge that you know. All you have to do is get in the same room with her and shut the door, and you'll be having sex with her. Is that all it takes? No, I will freaking. I will you, hunt she her was down. your girlfriend. <laughs> I think she's actually married now. She, oh, yeah. I didn't use her as an example because she has loose morals. She's just example. She's, she's a good super friend hot. Of yours. No, she's very nice. She's a very nice person. Yeah, we've uh, we've met her before. She's oh, very yeah. nice, but she's married. She's got a baby and everything. Else. Oh, yeah. So I don't think you can fuck her. But I'm saying if you did when you were 18, yeah, it'd be a disaster for your future productivity. It could be right. Yeah. How do you jerk off when you're um, in a tent and it's like you're you're in the middle of nowhere, like? Do you, do you just save it until you get, get back to civilization? Don't you do the same thing you do at home? In a tent? Out there hiking? Yeah, I mean, why not? I don't think I jerk off in tents. I, I save it's it. It's waterproof. If you lived in a tent, because... you would jerk off in a tent. Yeah? You know? Yeah, for sure. Just gets to a certain point where you're like, all right, I got to just do this. Just for well, maintenance. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. You got to keep the pipes clean. But it's all, uh, it's all on memory. Do you bring like porn on a phone or something like that? Set it up? I mean, you could, but no, memory is kind of the way, I think. Or drawing it. <laughs> cave paintings. <laughs> <laughs> Have there ever been pornographic cave paintings that have ever found? I'm sure there I'm must sure. be. Well, I mean, porno. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's interesting the idea that uh, these cave paintings represented reality because there's a lot of weird shit that they drew. They're like, you know, a lot of ufologists and Bigfoot people look to as proof of the fact these people experienced that. Yeah. All right. Imagine if you looked at all of human art. Yeah. Yeah. Sketchy. Sketchy. (laughs) So, like, get it. So, like, you know, what? There was a real Mickey Mouse? Like, Mickey Mouse is real because there's a drawing of Mickey Mouse? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, there was these guys. I I watched Finding Bigfoot. We've had uh, the Bigfoot hunter Bobo on the show before. Fascinating conversation. Is he legit? He's, like, honestly hunting Bigfoot? Yes. I mean, he's legit in the sense that he's honestly hunting Bigfoot. Does I mean, he really think there's a Bigfoot? Oh, yeah. He believes he's had experiences. Yeah. Is he a weirdo? He's a little weird. Yeah. He could benefit from Brian's program as well. <laughs> Brian's, <laughs> Brian's uh, you know, whatever. He's, uh, but his, his life is dedicated to finding Sasquatch. Huh. He apparently saw it once or twice or something like that, and it's been, he goes on these expeditions, and they go looking for places where, you know, people, what's, a lot of fuckery involved, but mm-hmm. the, the reason people keep going is because there was an animal called Gigantopithecus that lived as recently as 100,000 years ago that was an 8-foot to 10-foot tall bipedal primate, hmm. an, an enormous animal that, co- that co-existed with humans. Hmm. You know, just like we drew j- bully mammoths, this is a real animal. So when they have these cave paintings and drawings of this big, tall, hairy thing, it may very well have been something that mm. existed and died off because it lived in Asia. And much, much like people came to North America following the Bering Strait, yeah. it, uh, it also could have done the exact same thing. Hmm. They think it's really possible, especially because of the density of the forest in the Pacific Northwest. In fact, Jane Goodall, the, the primatologist, she yeah. believes, she's pretty certain that there's um, a, uh, that there were big a, an actual undiscovered primate living in the Pacific Northwest. She said she believes uh, 100%. Oh, she said, I'm, I'm absolutely certain or something like that. I forget her exact quote. But I thought coming from a primatologist like her, hmm. that's something to be considered. But it also could be romantic she, confirmation yeah. bias. You know, she could just be psyched about monkeys. And yeah, exactly. Hoping there's a big one out there. And that's how <laughs> exactly. she, she finger blasts herself to sleep every night thinking about this big ape being real. Catch him, please. Prove me right. Oh, and that's how she, maybe not. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about Jane Goodall in a sexual sense. That's how I got in trouble in science class. Um, there was a uh, 
there was a uh, a, a woman uh, who was uh, this science teacher that was uh, this a kid who was a high school quarterback who was like really smart kid. He's very very charming and charismatic, and he would flirt with all the teachers to try to get better grades. So uh, I got to class early, and uh, I had a, I drew a picture of him banging her. And she was uh, screaming out, "Do it, do it to me, monkey style, like my hero Jane Goodall." And I'm like, I got in trouble for that's, that. I can see yeah. that. Yeah, I got in trouble. That's what uh, before I became a comedian. Most of my um, comedy ideas were expressed from cartoons because I was sort of a, a drawer. I drew a yeah. lot. I was an illustrator when I was young, and I yeah. drew, drew a lot of comic book type stuff. And so I would draw like teachers doing something fucked up and get in trouble. I could do this one teacher. She used to wear a lot of makeup, so I drew her without her makeup, but she was a werewolf. <laughs> That's fucking stupid. But they got they suspended me for that. Huh. You know, some shit that you would get on the internet every day, and you would laugh at it. You would L O L L U L Z. But Lulz. back in the day, yeah, back in the day, got in trouble. Bastards. Did you get in trouble at all in high school? You no. You're a good kid. I never got less than an A. Never got less than an A in anything. Nope. Wow. I graduated with like a four point seven or something. That's amazing. So, and yeah. you went from there to college, and just like this is just not stimulating enough. Not yeah, I just wasn't interested. You know, wow. I was like, I would rather be homeless. Wow. No, no, no. Do you anticipate keeping this lifestyle until you die? Traveling, living in a van, climbing whenever you can. Yeah, well, maybe, <clears throat> maybe not the full time travel until I die. Just because at some point I'm sure I want to like settle down. Do you think you'll ever move up to a mobile home? <laughs> no, I'll probably get a real house at some point. At some point in time? Yeah. The thing is, it, it's hard to find a place that I'd want to live full time. You ever been to Boulder? Yeah, I have. But Boulder is right actually, that's like the heart of climbing in the U.S. A bunch of climbing companies are based there. Is it really? And there's so much climbing on the front range there that like, that, yeah, that's like, that's the heart of U.S. climbing. Yeah, when I was there, someone died. Someone fell off one of those flat faces. In, uh, in Eldo. Is that where it was? Eldorado Canyon, probably. Yeah, was it? People, I mean, a handful of people die there every year, probably. Every year, huh? Seems like it. And do you guys look at those people as just people that are just inexperienced, shouldn't have well, been there? Well, no, generally there's a different... I mean, there's a there's a publication every year, Accidents in North American Mountaineering, and it's just a list of every accident that happened over the year, and they have analysis and causes. And You know, I mean, some accidents you read, and you're like, what an idiot, you know? And then some like accidents... What? what have you ever read? Uh, okay, like, the first one that comes to mind that I've always found just totally comedic is, uh, on Half Dome, there's, like, this long horizontal traverse where, like, you basically walk across this little tiny ledge. It's, like, the photos, I don't know if you've seen any on the internet, but there's a classic photo of me standing on this little tiny ledge, and it looks all crazy. But so, um, if you don't place protection across the length of the ledge and you fall, you're gonna just swing, like, you know, I mean, it's just like a pendulum straight across, and there's a corner at the other end of it. So if you swing the distance, you're just gonna swing into this corner and just get totally messed up. And so um, I read an accident of, like, a Korean woman climbing, you know, going big walling or whatever. It's, like, their first wall. And she gets up there, and she, like, takes out the piece of protection. And is like, well, I'm going to take the swing rather than, like, crawling across the ledge or whatever. She just, like, takes the swing, augers into the corner, breaks both her ankles. And, um, you know, and you're like, what an idiot, you know? Because it's basically, like, imagine holding onto a rope swing and looking at a brick wall and being like, I'm going to swing into that wall, you know, for, oh. with a 90-degree angle. Like... I mean, it's, you know, so you read an accident like that and you're like, what was she thinking? Because it's like simple, you know, any kid would be like, this looks like it's going to be a terrible idea, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, it's pretty simple uh, physics, you know? But then at the other end of the spectrum, you see accidents yeah. where it's just like some 
totally safe family man or something and like you know an ice pillar collapses on him like say winter uh, climbing or something because yeah. that happens a lot when people are ice climbing things just collapse or whatever and you just get hit with ice and you're dead yeah or like rock fall or something <sighs> or like freaking um the head of Knowles, I think, you know, the National Outdoor Leadership School, like the outdoor program. Mm-hmm. Um, he was climbing some peak in Montana or Wyoming or somewhere, and tourists up on top were throwing rocks off the top, like, oh, we're on top. And uh, he got hit by a rock and died. Oh, God. And, like, you hear that kind of an accident, and you're like, that just sucks. Because, <sighs> I mean, you feel bad for the dude on top, though, too, because you're like, how could he know? And the rock had poop on it. Yeah, exactly. It's a big old rock. Yeah, it's you. Poop. You're hurling rocks into the <laughs> yeah. abyss. You ever I mean, thought about that? Good point, Brian. Yeah. You ever no, thought about no, that? No, no, you're hurling no, for rocks? sure. And you it, say, hey there down below, no, I'm about do. to sh- throw my shit, and it's attached to a rock. Yeah. No, is everyone cool with this? It's, it's super poor form to throw rocks. So, I mean, shit pudding is actually strongly discouraged. Oh. But, like, generally, that only happens, like, early morning when you started, like, during the night, and then you have to poo, and then whatever, and you assume there's nobody there. Have you ever had any weird wildlife experiences? Mountain lions, bears, anything like that? I mean, I've had I mean, I've mean, had bears eat my backpack a couple of times. Really? I've got yeah, photos on my phone of a bear eating my pack. That, but that happens in Yosemite all the time, because the, the bears are so desensitized to humans that they're, like, used to interacting. But there's whatever. been a few deaths in Yosemite recently. Not from bears. Yes, there has. Yeah, no. there's been two very, very recently. Yeah, how well, recently? Really recently. People um, getting killed by a bear. Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Because people died from hantavirus this last season. I'm absolutely 100 percent positive. Yosemite in the uh, winter. Grizzly bear. Hold on. There are no grizzlies in California. It's a, they're black bears. Yosemite is not just California, though, right? Oh, you're talking about Yellowstone. Oh, did I say Yosemite? Okay. Yeah, okay. In Yellowstone, there are grizzlies, and they probably did get killed by bears. Yosemite grizzly. Yeah. There's California. They killed the last Yellowstone grizzly grizzly kills hikers. Yeah. Yeah, it's Yellowstone. It's Yellowstone. Yellowstone recently. I I confused the two of them together. No, that makes sense. Um, Um, yeah, but yellow. In oh, the, so they killed off all the bears. Oh, they they had grizzlies. In, so, in yeah, the, on the on the state they killed them in the state flag of California, whatever. It's a grizzly bear, but uh, yeah. they killed the last grizzly in like 1850 or something. Wow. Yeah, but, yeah. The last California. It says it here that there were they were killed. That's that's fascinating because um, do any of them? Because they know that um, polar bears travel like long distances. Do grizzly bears ever try to come from places that they don't? I don't think so. I mean, I the mean thing like is how have far to, they have to walk they don't across live? Nevada. You know, oh, is that what it would be? Nevada's kind of a grim place to walk across. It's a lot yeah. of desert. If That's you're a big bear, because they know that mountain lions have made that trip, which is really kind of creepy. Because mountain lion, um, it's really interesting. Mountain lion pressure has changed because uh, they don't they don't hunt them. 1922 was the last time a grizzly oh, yeah. was killed in California. The Sierra Foothills in 1922. The last one. <clears throat> the um, um, mountain lions uh, are hunted in Nevada, but in California they don't hunt them anymore. So hmm. they've started moving in Nevada or from Nevada into California. It's yeah. really interesting. It's like they've sort of figured out that there's yeah. no hunting pressure in California. Actually, I was just reading this article about uh, about urban animals, about like small predators like foxes and coyotes and stuff adapting to urban environments. And how, uh, you know, there's footage of, like, a coyote going to an intersection, looking both ways, and then crossing the road and stuff. Wow. Because basically animals <clears throat> learn the same way, yeah. you know, anybody else does. You know, and, uh, it's, it's pretty funny stuff to think about, like, a little fox, you know, like, living in a skyscraper and, like, using the streets just like everybody <laughs> else. Yeah, but, it is interesting. They've, uh, they've got a bunch of coyotes that they have uh, tagged uh, that are living in um, Chicago. And uh, they that live. was actually the the example the article I was reading was about Chicago. Yeah, isn't that nuts? I mean, I think there's like sixty of them. And they, yeah. they they eat the rats and all that shit, and it's really weird. 
Like they, but they have track of them. These, uh, hmm. these, like they have, like I think they have radio bands on them and stuff. Yeah, all the, the all the bears in uh, Yosemite are tagged. Are they really all so of like, them? So when you, well, I mean, except for little cubs and stuff. But yeah, they tag the bears each season. So but Yosemite is California. Yeah. Yellowstone is part of Wyoming. its California. No, no, it's uh, just Wyoming. Yellowstone is Wyoming, and I don't know if it's the surrounding states, but it's Wyoming. And that has bears. They have grizzlies. That has grizzlies. Yeah. You ever go up there hiking? Uh, I mean, I have as a tourist and as a kid and stuff. And the Tetons, the Grand Teton National Park, is also uh, like adjoining Yellowstone. So the Yosemite and bears I, that attacked your bag were just black bears. Yeah, they're just they're just little black bears. They just eat your food and stuff. They don't really attack people. No, I don't think anyone's ever been attacked by a bear in Yosemite. Really? I mean, they're really like they're cute little bears, and I mean they're totally. I mean they're cuddly looking, but it's just that they're around people so much that they get used to it, and then they eat your shit. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> Yeah, when you see people uh, f- feeding bears out of their car, you want to punch them in the face. Yeah, that's that's a real problem. No, you, actually, you don't see that in Yosemite. But you have to. Uh, is that Yellowstone where they do that? Maybe. Did you ever see that video of a? It was, it's one of those faces of death videos where a guy uh, got out of the car to, to take photos uh, with uh, a grizzly, and uh, it tried, they were feeding the bears. Was like, he like an Asian his, tourist or something? Just a he must have been completely I don't know what, retarded. I don't know what his deal was, but there's a video of the guy. He's uh, in he the car. Eaten. Oh yeah, he got fucking mauled in front of everybody while they were filming it. They, they wanted to take pictures of him out there feeding the That's bears. Fucked the up. Bears saw him. And they're like, bitch. Yeah, it's like, why take the little piece of meat when I can take the whole piece of meat? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty messed up. Yeah, people don't understand how dangerous grizzlies are. They, they they think that just because they could be in their car and throw the stuff out the window, that somehow or another you could stand outside the car like a guy who's really ballsy thinks he could go out there and do that. But that's a lot of meat to like pretty... dangle in front of them. Like You look yeah. like meat, man. They you know smell that. like meat, yeah. for sure. Have you seen the video? Did we show that video, Brian, of the guy uh, in Antarctica who's in the, the grizzly box? Wait, in the, Arctic, the uh, not uh, the not Antarctica. Um, uh, the not uh, he's uh, he's in the Arctic and he's in a uh, polar bear plexiglass like uh, yeah, box. Yeah. Did we show that? Yeah. Did he <sighs> just get worked by bears? No, no, no. He he went up there on purpose. We'll pull it up for you. Just so well, you yeah, can he, take but a look he's at in it. like an armored case. Yeah, he they they. It's an upcoming documentary that they filmed. Mm. Um, that they they designed this piece of equipment, this this structure, mm. just specifically so this guy could be dropped off there and have these bears try to get at him while he's like sitting there while these enormous polar bear is like chewing at it and sniffing it and opening his mouth and trying to bite it. It's so terrifying when you're watching it. Cause it seems like it'd be kind of intense. Oh, it's so intense. Well, he can't, they can't get in. They designed it well. Yeah. The bear cannot get in. But there's like spots where, you know, like air slots. Yeah. And when it gets so to the air slot, it's like. <laughs> and then it opens its mouth and it's trying to bite it. Yeah. It can't quite, but it's so big. Like you. I didn't understand for whatever reason. I knew they were big, but it takes seeing it next to a person to really yeah. conceptualize like, oh, oh, God. I mean, it's like 12 feet tall. It's unbelievably big. And this guy's in there, and this thing has just got its arms around the box, and it's trying to bite it, and it's trying to figure out where the fuck it is. Here it is. Look at that box that this guy's in. And he's up there just chilling around for this. Uh, what is the BBC? I'll, I'll give it a plug so that people know what is it, it is. Is it the BBC? Yeah, it's a BBC documentary, uh, Polar mm-hmm. Bear. It's uh, from Gordon Buchanan. Gordon Buchanan? Do they? Uh, what is the name of the show? It's a nature documentary. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. He's right here. Hey, there. 
This the bear's voice is thousands of times more powerful than mine. It's gathering information before it approaches, like it would when stalking a seal. My scent is strongest at the weakest point, the door. Imagine that door open. It's systematically trying from all angles. Look at the size of it. Being this close, get an appreciation for what this animal is. It is one of the most powerful animals on the planet. One of the most intimidating animals on the planet. And one of the few animals that actually see us as food. I wonder how that guy gets signed the up. The bear's nose has led it to a gap. You can sniff me, gosh, I could have actually touched his nose. Oh. Is giving a little? She's feeling the pressure. Look at that. that. Her specs is flexing. She's trying to oh, crawl through God. it to see if she can bite through it. If you haven't seen this video, folks, you, you got to go online and just watch it. This is just a clip. The the video uh, is uh, I, I believe it airs. Uh, oh, okay, it aired already. It's called "The Polar Bear Family and Me," uh, and it aired uh, Monday, January seventh, on BBC Two. But you can you can find it online, and you, you got to see it just to see how fucking insane. I want to watch the rest of that. I'm totally engrossed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was right? amazing. Well, I would imagine that a guy like you that's uh, so into thrills like that would be. Uh, well, I'm not into getting eaten by bears. I mean, you know? I'm, not, I'm not saying that you'd want to do it, but that oh, would yeah. be fascinating to you. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah, have you ever had to tr- climb anything in ice? Anything like? For, Actually, like, I went ice climbing for the first time like last week in Salt Lake. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Would you climb like a, where a waterfall is or something like that? Is that uh, what it's called, ice climbing? Yeah, yeah, basically, it's like a water course and like ice builds up and yeah. So like what we did was called the Great White Ice Hole, but it's kind of like a, it's almost like a steep sort of wall slash gully that like forms up with a lot of steps of ice so you like climb a little cliff of ice and then you go up like a steep snow slope and then another ice cliff and whatever is that real unpredictable climbing uh, ice yeah yeah it can be i would think that there's a for lot sure of- it's much less predictable than rock you know because it's constantly like changing temperature and you know <sighs> do yeah, pieces fall off and yeah hit you for, or sure, like that? for sure really oh, that's shit. part of the reason i've never been that into it i think it's kind of sketchy so you just d- sketchy so you just yeah. did it uh, as a, just like, fuck it, let me just do this? Uh, ju- well, just to learn how, basically. Because um, I'm pretty sure I might be doing some trips to, like, Alaska or something this year and um, to climb bigger granite rock faces. But the thing is, when you go to places like that, I mean, it's still climbing, like, a big granite wall, which is what I normally do. But then on top, there'll be, like, some sections of ice or whatever. And you have to at least be comfortable, like, hiking in your crampons and things like that. So I was like, well, i got to at least learn how to use all this gear, you know. So I went out and practiced. <sighs> do you have any desire to do Everest? I don't know. I mean, if somebody would pay for the trip, I probably would, just for, like, the life experience. But it's definitely not, like, a climbing thing. Actually, somebody posted some rant that you had, maybe from stand-up comedy or something, about making fun of people on, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, on yeah. mountains, which I was like, you know, <laughs> The Everest enough. one. Yeah. yeah, totally. I have but, to. It's, it's, it's yeah. you know, it's material. I mean, the thing, well, <laughs> the thing is, climbers make fun of that stuff, too, because, like, what people do on Everest is so far removed from actual climbing that it's, like, you know, they it's don't even compare. It's more of a hike, really. right? Well, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a hike, but... I don't know if it was your rant or another one, but but I mean, you're basically hiring Sherpas to do all the actual climbing for you. And then, you know, if you're like a conventional Western client, whatever, you know, I mean, you're basically being shuttled up a mountain. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Actually, so I climbed a Kilimanjaro like that with uh, my girlfriend and what well, my then girlfriend in September. 
and uh, just as kind of like a tourist vacation, you know, like, oh, it'll be fun. And it was my first experience with people like carrying all your stuff for you and setting up your tent for you and doing all the work. And I was like, dude, this is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty freaking funny. I mean, I felt weird about it, but like, I mean, it is a vacation. I can see why people would do that for, you know, to feel extreme because you're like, oh, I climbed the biggest mountain in Africa, but it was like a dude brewing me tea every day and like, setting it up <laughs> for me, you know, but, yeah. but as far as like going somewhere with the girlfriend, you know, I was like, oh, it's a pretty legit vacation. It was cool. And we got to see more of Africa, you know, that's like full service camping. Yeah, no, it was, it was like. I was like, dude, this is a, as good as I live at home or better, you know? I was like, this is pretty legit, you know? <laughs> That's fascinating, man. Listen, but, dude, you, you live an amazing life. It's really awesome. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come in here and, and sit down and shoot the shit with us. It was nice. fascinating and intriguing. And uh, and and thank you and, and best of luck to you and stay healthy. Yeah. And, and we'd love to come, have you come back here and do this again, man. I'm sure yeah. people... Thanks People a lot. love you. We'd love to hear your stories. And if you want to do that thing with Brian, he's down. This weekend, are you going to come to the UFC? Is maybe, it on? Maybe. Maybe I'll, I'll ask you about it. This shit, son. Well, I mean, you know. This is a rare opportunity. This doesn't uh-huh. happen that often where you're going to be well, in the same the thing, place. Yeah, I think I, I might, actually. We're going to have to do but, this. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll yeah, talk yeah, about totally. it off, yeah. Thank you very much. But, really yeah, appreciate yeah, it. Alex Honnold, ladies and gentlemen, please follow him on Twitter. It's Alex Honnold, H-O-N-N-A-L-D. O-L-D. O-L-D. I'm sorry. Don't go to that A-L-D because that's a different dude. Yeah. That guy's getting bombed on right now. Fuck, I don't even climb. Yeah. H, spell it for everybody. H-O-N-N-O-L-D. H-O-N-N-O-L-D. Thank you very much, man. Follow Brian Redban, R-E-D-B-A-N. And you probably already follow me, or you probably already follow Brian, too. So whatever. Why am I talking? Uh, Thank you to Ting.com. Go to Rogan.Ting.com. Save 25 bucks off of a free phone, or free phone, or Android phone, or service. Uh, Contract-free is what I meant to say. Awesome Android goodness and uh, a very ethical company. Thank you also to Kerosene Games for their Blade Runner game. Go check it out. Download it off iTunes. It's $2.99, and it's totally fucking worth it. Thank you to Onnit.com. Go to O-N-N-I-T and use the code name Rogan, and you will save 10% off any supplements. Tomorrow, we have Tim Ferriss, so we will see you guys all tomorrow. Tim Ferriss has some really crazy cool shit to tell us and he's a a fascinating and really unique individual so if you've never heard of him he's the author of the four hour work week the four hour body and just a brilliant dude and a great guy so we'll see him tomorrow we'll see you tomorrow and that's it good night see ya big kiss